Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. It is Monday, July 17th. We are here live. It is a free-for-all. I see some calls starting to come in. Jump in and join us. Anything goes today. We have no guest. We have no theme. It's totally up to you what we talk about today. 855-950-3835. We can talk about trucks, money, fuel mileage, maintenance, Tires, taxes, technology, health and fitness on the road, getting started as an owner-operator, finding freight, working with brokers, the economy, politics, whatever, we'll tackle it. All you have to do is pick up the phone and join us. 855-950-3835. couple things I want to talk about real quick while we're screening some calls here. You know, the the parking issue has been talked about for a while. Uh, A lot of people think the government need to do something. I wish the government would just stay out of it for the most part, unless it's in cooperation with private business using some government land. That would be fine. Uh, Interestingly enough, I've said for several years now, if you want to fix the truck parking issue, be willing to pay for parking. And people lose their mind. I don't want to pay for parking. We pay for all kinds of things to run our business. I can go through most owner-operators' profit and loss and find things that aren't necessary. Why, why, Why pay somebody to do your accounting? Do it yourself. Why pay somebody to work on your truck? Do it yourself. Why pay somebody to file your fuel tax? Do it yourself. Why pay somebody to go find you freight? Do it yourself. You can't do everything yourself. You can solve the parking problem yourself, though. I've seen lots of people do it. I've seen people say they've been out on the road for 30 years. They really don't have parking problems. Yes, some parts of the country are worse than others. The government isn't going to fix this. They've been talking about it for years. While they're talking about it and doing next to nothing, we do have some private companies that are out there with some solutions. We had one on the show last week. They have parking. Um, I'm reading about a new company that's starting in... Nevada, and they opened uh, their first parking. Uh, let's see, it's in the Las Vegas Motor Speedway, right near Interstate 15. Um, 74 total parking spots. Um, this is where people are going to freak out, I'm sure. Uh, $30 for 24 hours or $300 a month. Um, all paid parkers have access to air-conditioned restrooms and showers, complimentary water, and other refreshments. So they have plans. What was the number? Um, they have plans to open a lot of these. They're uh, going to open uh, 18 they have planned in Nevada and then 50 to 70 other locations throughout the country by the end of the year. That's a pretty aggressive rollout. They are not building any parking lots. That's probably not going to happen. Building parking lots is really expensive. They're expensive to maintain. And we have lots and lots of parking all over the country that doesn't get used. So that's what this company is looking at, finding parking lots that already exist that can be used for things like this. So. I prefer the uh, the free market solutions to most of these problems. Uh, this is interesting. Um, I saw this headline. UPS is, is likely to go on strike, it looks like. Uh, 
They're not really talking much. They're down to less than two weeks before the deadline. There is some talk. The people want Biden and the government to step in and stop this. I hope not. The government just needs to stay out of this. I don't want to hear this excuse, well, it's bad for the economy. No, it's not. It's just an event in the economy. It will be bad for some people. The people who decide to go on strike, that's their choice. They chose to be in a union. You know, if you're in a union, whether you want to go on strike or not doesn't matter. You have to follow the wishes of the majority. That's how unions work. So yeah, if if you're the one that goes on strike, this could be hard on you. If you're UPS, this could be hard on you. If you're the Teamsters, this could be hard on you. You are all the people that have to solve this. If you can't solve this, then I guess go on strike. The government should not step in and stop this because it's not bad for the economy. It's just an event. Bad for some people, good for others. That happens all the time. Fuel prices go up, bad for some people, good for others. Interest rates go up, bad for some, good for others. That's how the economy works. We just need the government to get the hell out of it and stop screwing with it. It's the government's, most of our economic problems right now are the government's. In fact, I thought I had another article here, but I must have closed the tab. There's, you know, I keep saying, I don't know why there seems to be all this extra money around still. I thought I was wrong. I thought the government had mostly stopped paying for stuff. Well, they really haven't. I I just read a whole list of programs that are about to stop, but they haven't yet. We're still handing out money for all kinds of things or deferring student loan payments. You look at some of the numbers, the dollar amounts. If those people don't have to make those payments, do you think they're putting the money in savings accounts? Hell no. It's not human nature. We know that's not what they go out and spend it. That's why we still have inflation, because the government is still either handing out money or telling people you don't have to pay things that you should have to pay. So they really need to just stay out of the whole union strike issue. If if UPS and the Teamsters can't come to an agreement, then they go on strike. But here's the headline, UPS to train non-union employees to deliver packages. What am I missing? There's like 340,000 people going on strike. Where are they going to get these non-union people? Are they talking about their own management? Because management at UPS would be non-union. They can't even come close to putting a dent in this. I don't even know why they would bother, really. Uh, Although I don't know what they're supposed to do. But not only can you not even come close to the numbers, you're putting a bunch of people out in package vans that don't know what they're doing. And that is not an easy job. That is a really difficult job. Those package vans, that is a lot of work. Some of those guys do well over 100 stops a day. I've known guys that do 200 deliveries a day. Now, most of those are in several mall areas, but it's it's a tough job. So it seems a little odd or just that they think they're going to put a bunch of people out in vans and make a dent here. Uh, let's get to some phone calls, see what's on your mind today. Let's go to Arizona. Marie, welcome to the program. Good morning, Kevin. Good to hear from you again on there. What's Um, on your mind today? The question I have is what we are, uh, I'm looking for something for our motorhome. We're going across the U S but I wanted to get Wi-Fi on my computer. 
and they've got all kinds of different stuff. I just kind of said, okay, where do I go? My husband says, phone Kevin, talk to Kevin. He'll find out. Yeah. So I I, is a mobile. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. I've got a lot of experience in this. So tell me, have you looked at anything specific yet? And then I can address that. And if not, I'll just tell you what I've seen out there and what works and what doesn't. Okay, I looked at a um, a jet uh, a jet pack. I think it was jet packs. Okay. Um, and they're trying to. There was another one that was a hum, but the hum is only for phones. And I want something. I need to pu- plug in my computer. I need to use the computer. I don't do everything so, on my phone. So. Right. So here's my next question: Are you worried about data limits? Do you use a lot of data, or do you know? No. Um, I don't, well, it's included in our cell phone that we use. And so yeah, I, I really don't know if I use Yeah. So here's, here's what's going to happen. You have unlimited data on your phone probably, right? Yes. That unlimited data will not work on your computer. Okay. So when you go to Verizon or AT&T or Sprint or T-Mobile or whoever's around anymore and you get a device like this, a Wi-Fi device, you will not have unlimited data. They try to make it sound like you do, but once you go past a certain amount, then they throttle you back on speed and it's almost unusable. So one of the things you've you've got to work out is how much data do you need and can you buy that data from your phone company? And if so, how much is it going to cost? Now, I will tell you that's the easiest solution is to just get the jet pack. I think that's Verizon's. I've got one somewhere. Um, but every, yeah. self, every cell phone provider has a Wi-Fi hotspot. That's what they're going to call it. It's just a little device. It's basically like a cell phone, except you don't make calls or anything on it. It receives the cell signal and then puts out a Wi-Fi signal so you can connect to it with other devices. You could connect your laptops, your TVs, your smart devices, Mm -hmm. your iPads. Uh, Most of them will connect up to like 15 or 25 devices, way more than what you need. But you are going to be limited on that data. And it's usually very limited. Like, I mean, you could watch one movie and wipe out your data for the whole month. (laughs) Movies and video use a ton of data. So you have to be very careful about these data limits. And if you start watching video or playing video games or things that use a lot of data. That's the easy way though. So I would start there and find out what plans your phone company already offers. And it's going to be this little hotspot device. Now, be very careful of, there are a couple companies around and some of them go out of business and they get started up again that promise you for 50 bucks a month or whatever their price is, that you will get absolutely unlimited data and you won't be speed limited or throttled back. They lie and these companies are absolute ripoffs. I've worked with two of them. It was one of the most frustrating Mm -hmm. things I've done. Um, I paid $500 for one of their high-end routers because I needed good quality to be able to do my show on the road within the first couple of days. And and it was fantastic when I first hooked it up. Worked great. I had tons of speed. At some point, I noticed my speed drops to nothing again. I'm like, wait a minute. I'm not supposed to be throttled back. 
I call them up. You're not being throttled back is what they tell me. Yes, I am. No, it must be some sort of a technical problem. We'll fix it for you. So emails back and forth, try this code, enter this, do this. And I'm doing this with two companies. Both of them had the exact same thing happen. Then what I get back is, oh, well, AT&T has changed their rules. So we're not going to need to send you a new router. And we go through all this again. And three days later, I'm being throttled again. And trying to get these things canceled was a nightmare. I mean, I was threatening to just turn Mm -hmm. off my credit card on these things. So don't fall for any of these unlimited data companies that are out there. They're total scams. The best solution, if you're willing to pay the money, by far, is Starlink. Starlink is a a very small satellite that uh, you can carry it around in your hand and stick it outside or stick it up on top of your coach or take it home and use it. It really is unlimited data, what you're know what you going to pay. And there's a couple different prices for the satellite. You would not need to upgrade anything. You could just get their standard satellite and their stand, standard service. I, I'm terrible with prices. For some reason, I'm thinking it's like $75 a month. Uh, but I, I can't remember. But by far, I've, so I've got Starlink, uh, hands down, um, the best mobile internet you can get very fast. Uh, like I said, the the satellite itself is so small and easy to carry. I have a hundred foot cord that I use so I can almost always find an open spot in the sky to put my satellite in. And it doesn't take much of an opening. I mean, I was impressed by, I went out camping in the woods last year when I was on the road and I just had this tiny little hole in the trees above me and I played around with the satellite up on top of the coach and got really good service. I had that the satellite, I think, is probably like $500 in the beginning. Um, I years ago, I had a $15,000 satellite system that I put on my coach so I could do the show from the road. I was spending a fortune on the monthly. They did throttle me back all the time. There are all kinds of data limits. And if that satellite, if it was a little windy, it would bump me off of the network. It was horrible, and I was spending a fortune on it. Is it something that you do, you're paying monthly, or can you sort of have it for a few months and then shut it down for a while? Because we don't necessarily, we're not traveling. Starlink, you can turn on and off. Or you could the last time I looked. That, that kind of stuff changes all the time. Okay, I even yeah. see they have some new service options that I haven't looked at yet. Uh, I haven't been playing with mine lately because we put the coach in the shop back in, God, I think it was in November. It's still not done. Still not back yet. In fact, I need to send them an email today. Um, so I, I don't know. I haven't been playing with mine and I know I've seen some new services. So um, just read to see what they have available. But I, okay. I, the last time I checked, you could turn that, sir. I probably should have turned mine off while it's sitting down there. Um, I didn't think it was going to be there this long. But the last time I checked, you could turn it on and off. Yeah, I think just mainly we want, we're going out for the summer for a couple of months and then we'll be back and then we won't be, you know, around for a couple of months and then we'll go out again. So, yeah. Here's one of the other options you can do then before Mm -hmm. you leave. Uh, Kind of try to figure out how much data you're going to use. You know, you can play around and, you know, check how much this video or watching this movie 
you can go to Verizon or AT&T or whoever you've got and buy a bunch of data. So, you know, maybe they offer you 10 gigabytes a month on the plan, but there was one year where all we had was cellular and I, you know, I bought like a hundred gigabytes of data every month instead. Right. So you can check that, that and that's going to Not be your one. easiest option. Your easiest option is stick with the phone company you already have, get their Wi-Fi hotspot and ask mm -hmm. them how you can buy more data if you need it. Okay. Great. Okay. Well, thanks, Kevin. That's great. Thank you. Thank you very much. And uh, I'll get to work if we leave in a couple of weeks and uh, see what we can get. Enjoy your trip. Uh, if you find anything new that I'm not aware of, because I haven't looked at this uh, in almost a year, and this kind of technology changes quite a bit. So if you find something else, let me know. Uh, let's go to Pennsylvania. Trevor, welcome to the program. Hello, Kevin. How's it going? Good. What's on your mind today? Well, I talked to you last Monday about getting into the business of trucking, and you kind of sent me out on a little mission to figure out my net worth, and you advised me to use uh, Mint. And that was a fancy, nice little piece of software. It was relatively easy to get all set up and get it all put in there. Isn't that crazy? And they, they give that away for free. They've been giving that away for free for over a decade. I've used it for a long time. Yeah. To be honest, I kind of like it. It's it's re and now isn't it cool that you've got it all set up? Now it's almost no work at all, and it stays updated every day. Right. Yeah, and when I got all that stuff in there, and I looked at my net worth, I didn't realize my net worth was so uh, so big. I oh. thought it was a fraction of that. Excellent. Well, that was good news then. Yeah. All right. Yeah, so I have a net worth of around it's one hundred twenty thousand. How old are you? I'm 28. Holy, that is fantastic. Uh, mo Congratulations. Most of that's my house. That's the okay. House, um, when I bought my house, I bought it for, it was like 50000 It came, it was two different properties and, I, well, you know the market, it just went right up and that basically skyrocketed the price on my property. So Excellent. Excellent. It worked, um, out, it worked out real great. So there are a couple little things we might look at given the environment, um, but your numbers is fantastic. Somewhere in my book and program, I have the averages by age because somebody who is 52 should have a much, much bigger net worth than somebody that's 28. That, that's the point here of watching our net worth. We want it to grow big enough so that at some point in our life, we are really financially independent. That, because in order to retire, if people want to retire, you have to be financially independent. You have to have enough money coming in without working to pay your bills and live the way you want to live. That's what kind of the definition of retirement is. So, you know, we everybody I know, most people I know, especially people working jobs, want to retire. They look forward to it, and yet they do nothing to get prepared for it. So you have a huge head start. I, 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 in the book, I do averages, you know, between this age and this age, the average net worth is X, whatever the number is. I promise you for 28 years old, it was nowhere near 120,000. I think it was something like 14,000, I think, comes to mind. It wasn't much at all. And that's an average. So there are people that have more, like you. There are people that have less, 
And yep. there are lots of people in our country today that have a negative net worth. It's, it's less than zero. So congratulations. This gives you a huge leg up on starting a business. Great. The, in fact, I, I can almost say, and I, I sometimes hate to say this, but now, did you did you also have time? And I know this could be a lot of work, but did you also have time to do what it takes to pay just to live every year or per month or however, just your basic expenses to live? Uh, we talked about that Monday. It was about $2,000 a month. You're kidding me, right? No. You are, uh, are you married? No. No, Okay. Um, I'm single. Well, you said we talked. Oh, you and I talked about it. That's right. Okay. Now I know what you mean. Right. Yeah. So then we were just waiting on the net worth. Last Monday. Which, so you know what this tells me? You are extremely responsible with money. Oh, that's good to hear. That's the way my dad raised me. It's somebody did something right or you learned it through osmosis. I don't know what happened, but you are not the norm. And what this does, really, uh, you you almost couldn't fail at becoming an owner-operator. Well, that's great to hear. It, 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 I, let's just think about the numbers. All you need to do is generate $24,000 a year in profit to pay your bills. Now, we certainly want to do way more than that, but this is what we look at. It, you know, it's kind of like Calculating a business's break-even. We're calculating your personal break-even. How much money do you need just to pay the bills? Because if you could pay the bills and and live the way you're living now on $24,000 a month, that's not, that's not a problem, right? I mean, like I said, we want to earn more. Right. But if worst case happens, yep. you're still okay. You would still be able to stay in business. There would be no reason for you not to be in business. You can pay all the bills. You're going to be fine. It, it's almost impossible to go out and drive a truck and not make $24,000 a year. I could do that working two days a week. Yeah. And then you have... Yeah, I don't really need a lot. And then you have cash or assets available. That's what the net worth tells us. It may not be all in cash, but we know we have cash equivalents. We have... You know, we could do lines of credit if we had to, but you're not going to have to. I mean, we don't need to borrow money. We don't need to take a whole bunch of risk here. Now, we can finance some on a truck, no doubt. Um, We could up your truck budget over what most people call here. Um, You know, sometimes I'm trying to help people buy a $10,000 truck to get started because that's all they can afford. And it works if you do it right. Um, you'll have many more options. As you start to lay out your business plan, you'll have lots of options because you've put yourself in a good financial position. Here, here's what else. Here's okay. another reason why I say you almost can't fail. Do you know what the number one reason almost any business fails? It's money. I would have you, to take a wild guess. You can't pay the bills. Yeah. You're just not, either you're not making enough or you're spending too much, which is what people do in their personal life. They spend more than they should be based on how much they earn, and then they end up in debt and they have no net worth. If you carry those habits into a business, you are much, much, much more likely to fail because you won't, if you don't manage the money you make as an employee, 
you're not going to manage the money you make in a business. And the problem is it's more money. And people think, oh, well, then I'll be fine. If I just made more money, I wouldn't have money problems. Yes, you will. The pattern is very clear. People make a little bit of money, they have money problems. They make a little more money, they have more money problems. It gets worse sometimes because now their bad habits can get them in more trouble. If you have somebody that's only making 24,000 a year, nobody's gonna give them much credit. If you have somebody making $124,000 a year, people will be tripping over themselves to give them credit and they'll get themselves into debt and have problems. If you can't manage your money personally, you will not manage it in the business. This is why I am so dead set against lease purchase programs. The only people that need them will not succeed in them, no matter how good the program is. They shouldn't be in business. They haven't learned how to manage money. If they can't manage it personally, they can't manage it in a business. It's much more complicated. And then while you're trying to manage that money in the business, you still have to manage it personally. So money management skills are important. You have them. Most people don't. Yeah, it's a good thing I learned all that stuff because that saved me a, uh, a bunch of headaches that I see a lot of my friends making. Absolutely. They're, they're around the same age as me and they're, they're nowhere near what I got. I will tell you, I was nowhere near that at 28, and I had been a business owner for six years by then. Actually, I'd been a business owner for 10 years by then. Uh, trucking, I'd been in trucking for six years. I didn't have a net worth of this. I was probably, honestly, at 28 was when I really got into trouble with the business, bought too many trucks, didn't know what I was doing. Um, actually, at 28, if I think about it, I had a negative net worth. I was way in debt. I managed yeah. to save it. Most people oh, don't. We... Uh, so you, yep. you are in a great position. All you need to do now is just continue with your plan. Okay, then I'll stick to the plan. I'll stock away a bunch of money. And about two years, we'll, we'll talk about looking at a truck. Excellent. Excellent. If you, if you decide things change and you decide you want to do it sooner, you have that option. Right. Yeah, I want to wait so I have enough money where I can yeah. put a little bit down on the truck. I still have some money left over, or if I have to put a little money into the truck or have a bit of a maintenance fund for when I start getting going, because I don't want to get into a, a nice used truck and go 100 miles down the road and have something break and then be no, it's, taking it's, out a bunch of loans there, to there's, fix something. There's nothing wrong with waiting and taking your time. Two years is a good plan. You can read a lot of business books in two years. Um, you can learn a lot between now and then you can get some more cash saved. It's a, you can't go wrong being more patient and getting more prepared. Yep. So that's, that's the plan. There is a, something else I kind of want to talk about while sure. we got some time. So I have a pretty good question. We, well, the, the big truck manufacturers are trying to go from, a conventional diesel drivetrain that we've had for decades now to full electric. Why aren't we talking about a diesel electric truck? Like like the big locomotive. We have. Diesel electric. We, it's been tried. It, it, for some reason, it doesn't work well at all. I've looked at several companies that have tried this. for Going back, I'll bet the first company I looked at was almost 20 years ago. So it's been tried several times. Um, they've tried small, you know, four and five liter diesels to run a generator. 
That it, the problem is you end up with way too much conversion. Why it works in trains, I'm not sure. There, there's probably some reason, but I don't study trains and I don't really care. Um, what I did was say, okay, if it worked there, will it work here in trucking? And other companies have tried it. So you're running a diesel engine, which by nature, internal combustion engines are not efficient. We've talked about this. We just recently, Navistar, I think it was, just recently, no, the, I forget, somebody, the latest super truck, I guess it was Navistar, finally broke the 50% efficiency mark. What we mean by that is in, in modern internal combustion engines today, brand new internal combustion engines, less than 50% of the energy in the fuel is used to move the vehicle down the road. The rest of it is all wasted in heat. Less than 50% of the energy gets converted to motion. So now think about trying to build a diesel electric truck. We're starting with an engine that's only converting about 50% of its energy. And that's not totally accurate because we do lose some in the drivetrain too. But we're already starting with an inefficient source of energy. Now we have to start making electrical conversions, AC to DC, DC back to AC. We're, we're trying to power a generator, then use that generator to charge batteries, then use the batteries to power electric motors. So think about this. You're, you've got an internal combustion engine driving a generator. The generator's charging batteries. The batteries are running electric motors. All of that conversion is lost energy. It's just not efficient. Okay, but wouldn't it be a little, well, fuel efficiently or fuel efficient wise, wouldn't, it, wouldn't you get a little bit better miles per gallon doing it that way? Or Well, you can't even calculate miles per gallon. You can't do, well, you could, okay. but you can't compare that. I mean, you might get 100 miles to the gallon out of your, your pony motor. I don't know you wouldn't, but it's not going to matter. Here's the ultimate answer. It's just not cost effective. Here's, here's another way to look at it. Um, I did a huge test on propane. I could have come on the air and said, oh my God, this is crazy. I put propane in my truck and my fuel mileage went up two miles per gallon. It would have been an accurate statement. But somebody better ask me, well, why or why not? And, and so if that were the case, and that is true, why am I not talking about propane on trucks? If it, if it increased fuel mileage two miles per gallon, why would I not be talking about that? Because we don't you're, really, you're right. we don't care about fuel economy. We care about cost. Just because a truck gets 20 miles to the gallon doesn't mean that's a that's the end all be all. What is the cost to make this vehicle go down the road per mile? Now, these these trucks were really expensive. So you have that initial cost you have to overcome. They're not more efficient. They're really not. They are not going down the road cheaper. And now we have a whole bunch of new parts we don't even know how to work on. Now we've got electric motors. Who's going to work on these things? We've got this big generator in here that can break down. Generators don't last forever. And when they need to be replaced, they are expensive. I've replaced generators on coaches. They're expensive. So it was, it's been tried and overall the cost isn't even close. They are just, they're just not cost effective at all. Okay. So I guess I should uh, kind of take my eyes away from this Canadian company building these diesel electric semi trucks. 
Well, no, you could watch them. There's a, uh, watch them and, and maybe send me a link. I'll watch them. Maybe somebody comes up with new ideas or new technology that makes this work. I'm open-minded. I, I will change my mind if new okay. evidence shows up. What I'm, what I'm giving you now is all the evidence I'm aware of. This has been tried for a while, at okay. least 20 years, been tried several times. It's never worked out. Um, I, there was a company at, at Louisville maybe 10 years ago. They had one of these trucks there. They were using like, a, it may have been a six or seven liter John Deere. So you're still using a significant okay. amount of fuel. Well, let's think about this. Right. When, when I had my semi truck pulling a, a fifth wheel toy hauler, I was achieving up to 12 miles to the gallon. I knew I would talk to people every day with pickup trucks pulling the same trailer I was pulling, getting eight miles to the gallon. I did better, much better with a bigger engine. Now we're talking about taking one of those smaller engines and putting in a big truck and using it to run a generator. That's why it was so, in, it, it's not even as efficient as the bigger diesel engine is. We put a less efficient engine in there. We, we just assume because it's a smaller engine, it's going to get better fuel economy. Well, it doesn't if you have to work it that hard. That makes sense. So, but if somebody well, is out there trying it again, yeah, send me the link. I'll, I'll go see what they're working on. Maybe they have some new ideas uh, or new well, technology. I know the, uh, the name of the company is Edison Motors. Okay. I'll go check them out. Uh, it was, it was uh, the guy that started it is a logger he i guess he was looking at the way the market was going and said i could probably do something in between well and uh really in the auto world look at all the hybrids we have i mean the 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 car world is loaded with hybrids almost and basically what you're describing is a hybrid right but it doesn't work in the truck. It works in the train. Yep. Honestly, I don't really think it works all that well in cars. When I look at the fuel economy of these cars and how complicated they are, and I, I don't really see the whole idea behind why we've got so many hybrids. When I can remember when, the, when Honda first brought out their, their Accord hybrid, it was like yep. eight or $10,000 more than the standard Accord and got one more mile per gallon on the highway. Okay. Now they're better than that now. And I believe that hybrid is simply an interim step and, and that at some point you're either going to be full electric or something else. The hybrid thing really does not make sense long-term. And I don't think it will catch on in trucks. And in fact, what what seems to be the dominant technology, and I called this one wrong, I didn't understand why we were going down the road of hydrogen electric, but we are. Uh, it didn't seem to make sense to me. It seems overly complicated. Uh, we still have to build out a hydrogen net network of hydrogen stations. And at the same time, we're starting to build out electric. Well, if we get electric working properly, hydrogen won't even be necessary anymore. So I'm confused why there's so much right. money being invested in hydrogen, but somebody must have a reason. So I think if we see anything in trucks, it's going to be a hybrid hydrogen electric, not diesel electric. Okay. Well, I was thinking that a diesel electric would be kind of like a stepping stone, like you were saying, 
from going from a full diesel to electric. That's that's where I kind of see it. it if maybe it, if it would have been cost effective, it may have happened. Now I don't even see. Actually, right. the the full electric is going to do better in vocational. That will be the market that gets okay. full electric first. All the stop and go is actually really good for electric vehicles. It's the long highway stuff that is the challenge. When we stop and go, those things recapture energy. Every time they're decelerating, they're producing electricity to charge the batteries. So one of the best uses so far of electric trucks has been garbage trucks. They stop so much. Okay. See, there's a there's yeah, a weird yeah there's a weird anomaly when we put an internal combustion engine in an operation where it's all stop and go. It's horrible. The fuel economy falls apart. The oil gets dirty fast. That that's not a good environment for an internal combustion engine. But a well built electric vehicle that's the ideal environment. Right, especially if you have a lot of idle hours running a PTO for pumps or hydraulics or anything like that. Yeah, so I, you know, I I thought, and here's the other thing that I will say, if Panasonic or somebody else finally comes out with a, a solid state battery, which they're now claiming they will by 2027, uh, that will be a total game changer, I think. I think that that full-blown electric will be the way to go if they can pull that off. Those batteries will charge faster. Yeah. They will have far more range. They won't be heavy. We won't be mining all of these heavy metals. We won't have all the environmental concerns of how do we get rid of these toxic batteries. They last forever. If somebody pulls off the solid state battery, that will change everything. But we also won't have to worry about phones catching fire in your pocket. Yeah, or cars catching fire. That a while ago. Yeah, and and, yeah, that too. and fire departments saying the last thing they want to hear is an electric car on fire because it's almost impossible to put them out. Right. Yeah, now the, the no, new... That's all I had to the, talk about. The newest battery technology on the market right now, lithium iron phosphate, does take that fire risk way, way down. Nowhere near as bad as lithium ion. Okay. Well, this is all I had to talk about today, Kevin. It's nice talking to you. I'll probably give you a call. I might call you next week. I don't know Excellent. yet. See if I can think of any new questions to ask you. Absolutely. All right. Yeah. Well, here's what you could do. Why don't you do this? Set a goal to to listen to or read one business book a week and just call me and talk about the book. Uh, I've already went. I think, uh, what was it? It was uh, my personal MBA. I uh, oh, yeah. listened That's to that last Did- week. Is that Josh Hoffman? Is. is that right? I think it was. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I read that one a lot. That was it. I should recommend that book more often. I forgot about that one. Wasn't that just a really simple way well, to understand that topic? Yep. Well, that and you also, if you go to the, his website with the same name, he has a list of books that he recommends. It's like... It, Things like ninety books on there. Most authors have so want- have good book recommendations. I one of my best one of the best book recommendations I ever got was from Larry Winget. Um, so yeah, mo- most authors obviously most authors are probably big readers. So uh, and somebody like that who wrote a book about my personal MBA, his his business book recommendations will be good. Yep. So I, I went through there and favorite all of them into my uh, 
Audible account, so all I have to Excellent. do is just go and either use a credit or buy it when Perfect. I get to the point where I need to get another book. Yeah, call me and we'll talk about books. Okay. All right, take care. Have a nice Great day, stuff. Kevin. Boy, it's so refreshing to work with somebody like that. Let's uh, let's go to California. Jerry, welcome to the program. Hi, Kevin. I got a uh, comment about oil sample reports. You had a caller probably a couple of weeks ago, and you were talking extensively with him about his oil sample report, only to find out after the fact that he'd added copious amounts of oil. So you were talking to Pete, I think, about the uh, OPS, and the OPS report form does have a line item on there for makeup oil added. However, the report form does not. Now, here's where I got around that in a way, but it's not. Wait a minute. Go ahead. Yeah, I want to make sure I'm understanding you right. You're saying when you said the let's start over because I think you mentioned two forms, and I want to make sure we're talking about the right forms. Okay. Okay. The report form that you get back with your oil sample does, in fact, have a space on there. Yes, right. For makeup oil added. However, the submission form that you fill out and send with your OPS sample does not have any okay. well, so you're gonna have space to on there. Stop there because okay. I haven't looked at a submission form in a while. I used to do tons of them myself. That line used to be there. Absolutely. I always reported how much oil I added. And then it would show well, up on the report that I got back. And I've looked at, wait a minute, I've looked at tons of reports that show me something in that line. How do they get it if there's nothing on the does. submission form? I have no idea. I just filled out one last week, and after your discussion, I specifically looked for that because you and Pete were talking about it, and I think that, like I think when you were discussing it with him, there was a little confusion on which form you meant. So I specifically looked. There is not a line on the submission form for oil added. None. I, it ain't there. I am going. Maybe to, it used to be. I don't know. I am going to ask my team. One get me. I have to talk. I have to say what I'm typing. I can't. I talk understand. Type at the same time. Can someone get me a? I understand. Form to turn in with an oil sample. I don't want them to get confused about what form uh, I'm talking yeah, the, about. Yeah, the, the, the submission. Yeah, the yeah. submission form that comes in the sample kit. Yeah, they're um, on the opiate, and I do not understand these corporations. Why can't they just add that? It'd be so simple. Well, like it'd a, be I, so I, simple, but I don't I, think I, I can't comment until I see it. If that's not there, I'm going to try to figure right. out, rack my brain, what happened to it. It's always been there, from what I remember. I ask people about it. I'll ask them. I'll, I'll say, I see you've put four four gallons in since your last sample, because it's there on the form for me, and they'll say, Yeah, I know. So well, it's on. No, I know, but somewhere well, the way we, I get we've around been it. submitting this, or I, maybe people are putting it in the notes, but I, I remember this was there. I always filled it in. Now, let me talk about the bigger picture until we can get an answer on this, because I don't even want right. to, until we can get an answer until I can see that form. The bigger issue we're talking about is that people have to fill out all of the information that is there, and they don't a lot. And then they get things wrong. How many miles are on the unit? How many miles are on the oil? And we're not blaming the people. We're blaming the form. The form sucks. It's awful. I don't know why they won't fix this. It's always been I awful. don't either. That's, you know, 
I have been, uh, when I got my truck in, oh, good Lord, May or June of 2006, I immediately started oil sampling. However, at that time, I didn't have anything to do with OPS. I was using another company, and their form was hands down, night and day difference, far simpler and far easier to fill out. And I continued on, I continued (laughs) When I put my OPS on, I continued both samples until, for some reason, during COVID, my other company simply ran out of bottles and couldn't get any sample bottles, and I was a little frustrated, and I was paying for both of them, so I just discontinued them and stayed with the OPS. But as in my memory, as long as I've been doing the OPS, there was never a, a line item on we're their look. submission form. We're going to look. And, and, right. and let but me explain here, why. Here's how I got around it. What? Okay. Okay, go ahead. Then I'll explain why. Well, and well, okay. The way I got around it on the OPS, which is not a hundred percent, and that is down under the under all the information. They have two lines on there: one's miscellaneous and one's comments. I always put the oil added under miscellaneous. However, I looked back after after you were talking to that individual about it. I went back and looked. And I looked at my sub- – I always keep a copy of everything, Kevin. I've just always Good. been that way. Yeah. I keep a copy of my submission forms. I went back and looked at my submission forms. And on the last on on the last five samples, the oil added only got reported on the report form two out of the last I, five I, samples. I could see that. If, it, if it's in the comments, because I think there's a line for this, but we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out first. Um, here's, well, I here's don't have why, that file with me or I could pull yeah. it out and see. But Here's why we stick with Polaris. The quality of the sample itself. Their form makes me crazy. I wish they would change it. We figured out pretty decent ways to work around it. The quality of their samples, their customer service, their education, hands down. I've worked with a lot of labs. We will stick with Polaris even if they never improve the form. I just wish they would. It would make our life easier. I mean, something as simple as there's a whole bunch of stuff you could get off that form. Here, here's, I, I know how this got developed this way. They wanted one form that they could use for every kind of sample and every kind of component. And that's what they've done. But that makes the form way too complicated. You know, look, paper is cheap. Create a couple of different forms. You know, you don't have to have just one that covers all these different components and all these different oils and all these different scenarios on trying to do it all on one form. Well, why won't they listen to you? That's what's so frustrating to me. We've been talking about this for a while, and why won't somebody in a position of authority with Polaris Labs or whoever, you know, why won't they listen? (laughs) I don't know. I guess that's the point. Yeah. Look, I I understand. You you should ask your customers things. You should listen to them. There are, I say it all the time. I can't really listen to my customers. I can in some ways. But when somebody calls and says, if I hear one more oil sample call, I'm never listening again. Okay, then don't listen. Because if you think I'm going to eliminate oil sample calls because you think there's too many of them, there's 10 other people that are going to call me that want oil sample results today. And it's every topic. Some people want to hear more politics. Some people never want to hear politics. Well, I can listen to feedback all day long and all it would do is make me crazy. I can't change so anything what you're saying, based there's on some people. That. So what you're saying as a customer, there's some people that like pumpkin spice nut butter some people that don't <laughs> there are some weird people yes that's what i'm saying 
you know I couldn't get through the whole call without mentioning that. I know. <laughs> and you, it's just too much clove. That's all I can say. It's I, I, right. I actually well, like I just pumpkin wanted... spice. I do. I like pumpkin spice. <laughs> I don't like it if it has that much clove. All right. Well, well. anyway, I mean, you don't have to keep me on the call. I just wanted to point out how I got around it was by putting it in the miscellaneous. But after looking back on seeing on my report format, maybe I'll start putting it in red ink. I thought maybe that might be might draw their attention to it. Write that down there and on that line, write how much oil I added in big red ink letters. You know, maybe they'd finally get consistent on putting it on the report format. Uh, I, Pete is actually uh, Morgan's working with Pete. Pete's going to send me over a form. Uh, I'm just going to have her ask him if there. <laughs> here I go again, talking and typing. Uh, if there's a place. Yeah, that's all right. To put in ad oil. All right, we'll see. We will try to solve. And maybe this I got some old forms or. Yeah, and I, I, I just filled one out, and I specifically, like, I don't know, middle of last week, and I specifically looked for that after your discussion with that individual, and I, I just knew it wasn't, and I don't believe, I mean, you say it used to be there, but I'm not that long-term of, of uh, a user of the uh, Polaris Labs anyway, but I just don't recall it ever being on there, and it was frustrating to me because it was always on my other labs uh, form. And I think they did a pretty good job too of the samples because I'd compare there for you know I'd compare every time I get one I'd always compare them, and they were spot on. Everything was almost so. I mean, I have one part per million different on something, and you know, and they were spot on. That never matters. What we did find um, when the uh, low sulfur first started hitting the market, and then the ultra low sulfur, then the biofuels that there are several labs that struggle with fuel dilution. And we were, it, we, I used to right. test, you know, Polaris against other labs constantly. We would always pull two samples. I'd send one off just to check the other labs. And we started noticing that we'd get results back from other samples and they'd say there was no fuel dilution. We'd get the sample back from Polaris. It would say there was fuel dilution and the viscosity would verify that there was fuel dilution. That was another reason. Right. We, stuck with Polaris. They keep their equipment and their training upgraded. Well, my other uh, companies, no big secret, was ALS Laboratory Group, a uh, big, big company, and they, I, I mean, they were just hand in glove with uh, Polaris's reporting uh, yeah. Yeah. On, the, on the amounts of Which everything. They, they were a very good quality lab, and yeah, yeah, they were good quality. I mean, I've and, and of all, on a side note, I've looked at other sample reports and uh, to, to me, hands down, the far worst sample report is Caterpillar Labs. I think they run an extremely good, high-quality lab, but their sample reporting is horrible compared to the other ones. <laughs> yes, it uh, is. Blackstone and ALS and, and uh, Polaris are about comparable on their on the quality and the, and the readability of their report formats, but Caterpillar's is absolutely horrible. I, I, I wouldn't, wouldn't I, have them at all. I would agree that second after Polaris is Blackstone. I don't mind at all when I get a Blackstone report. It's super easy to read. Cat reports right. I hate. Yeah, they're awful. They, they just don't, can't understand. And I and I, even that's a long story. But my oil blender uh, actually doesn't live very far from Caterpillar headquarters. And when they were having trouble getting the sample bottles from ALS Laboratory, who was who they had an association with, then they started to develop a relationship with Cat. And my oil salesman was showing me cat reports and, hey, would you be interested in, in doing this? And I actually made some copies of, of the Polaris sample reports and the, and the uh, 
ALS laboratory sample reports and gave them to him. I said, here, take these to Caterpillar and show them what a real report format looks like. All right. So I um, didn't get any good. So. I haven't seen the form myself. I'm starting to get some feedback. Uh, and the answer seems to be it doesn't have anything for consumption on the form. Um, Matt is saying it's on the app. Now, I've never used the app. Now, my next question is, do you use the app to submit the form? And the, answer is, the answer is yes, but you do need the barcode from the form. So you can use the app to submit rather than mail in a paper form, I guess. But you you take the barcode number off the paper form, put it into the app. Then in the app, there is a place to, to add oil. So we'll, we'll continue to try to figure this out. All right. Well, I just wanted to point out that uh, well, thank you. How, yeah. just how confusing it really is. So, <laughs> But I do, and maybe I'll start putting that in uh, red letters down there under miscellaneous, and maybe they'll finally get a little more consistent about putting it on that. But uh, Could be. Only uh, only two out of the last five, they got it on there. So got it. Not very consistent. So, All right, Kevin, that's it for now. Thank you very much. All right. Thanks for the heads up on that. We'll try to figure it out. Let's go to South Carolina this time. Kareen, welcome to the program. Hey, good morning. How you doing, my friend? Good. What's on your mind today? Hey, uh, nothing much, actually. I had a friend of mine uh, recommend this app to me. He said, you know, it's an open questionnaire. So uh, I was hoping to ask about some numbers with some other companies. Uh, to make it a long story short, I'll get straight to it. I think this is a good time to transition to see some upside growth. And uh, I was just curious to know if you, got, if you have specifically uh, numbers from Landstar drivers that are team drivers. And uh, just to get some background, you know, right now, the company that I'm at, on average, it's about a median average of 10000 a week gross. Take home approximately seven. So I wanted to know if you had uh, any insight on that, if it's possible to do better numbers at Landstar. So as an owner-operator, let me, let me make sure I'm understanding here. The current company we're looking at, you're sure. saying the gross is 10000 a month, and then you said seven. What What's that? So we're... So it's uh, ten thousand a week gross or ten thousand a week, team, yeah. Uh, team truck, yeah, and take home about seven. Well, a week. see, we we have to identify what this term "take home" means because I I don't know for an owner. Yeah, but hold on to an owner operator. Now, when we talk about take home, that that's a term that comes from employees. What they're really talking about is my salary is fifty thousand a year, but after taxes I take home forty thousand. That that's the only way I've ever heard right. that term used. So what I have to identify here, I don't know for an owner operator what what the word take home would even mean. What numbers are we accounting for here? Yeah, I guess I guess when I say take home is just net, you know, after yeah, but, fuel but, and but where tax. but where did the Oh, after paying for fuel? Is that what we're talking about? Yeah. Okay, after, throw this correct. number after out. After Thro- paying throw- for fuel. Well, well, wait, wait, wait. You, now you just confused me again. You said fuel expenses and pre-tax. Now we're getting even more confusing. So, and, and I, I'm not trying to give you a hard time here. I just want to make sure I give the right information. And so here's what I want you to do. Throw away that take-home number. It is completely meaningless. Is, is this something the company generates and says, you know, our team trucks gross 10 and take-home 7? 
Uh, no, this is just numbers looking at previous settlements. Uh, okay. You know, from not only yeah. me, Let, but you know, other buddies of mine at this company. Let's do this. There's only two numbers I really like to look at. Gross is fine, and that's sure. the ten thousand. Net really means after every expense it takes to run this business. So we mean fuel, maintenance, tolls, permits, accounting costs, uh, office expenses, paper clips. I mean, I, your equipment costs, your interest costs. That's the, if we can only use those two numbers, when anybody tries to use a number somewhere in between, it just gets confusing. Why would I only look at my numbers after fuel and taxes? Who decided those two? What happened to maintenance and equipment payments? And so do you see what I mean? If we're not consistent, then everybody's going to be confused. And to me, the only way to stay consistent is to talk about true gross and true net after all expenses. Does that make sense? Absolutely. So Absolutely. Let's, I appreciate so that. Let's, let's go with that. Throw out the seven completely and just ignore it. And what I'll help you do is figure out if you could gross 10, what it would be likely to have as a true net. And I do accounting and I have for owner operators for 30 years. So I know these numbers kind of inside and out. First off, um, when you say, Beautiful. so 10,000 a week, 40,000. So what is the when you say with this company what was the last time period that you calculated that like is that current up until say june of this year or is that last year's numbers um i mean to make it simple i would say uh to just calculate it for 50 weeks of the year yeah i know but i need to know which 50 weeks if i calculate 50 weeks of 2022 and 2021 and 2020, I'm going to get wildly different numbers because we've been through some of the craziest couple of years I've seen in trucking. And now 2023 for right. most people is wildly different than 2022. So we could say, yes, it's Absolutely. a 50 week period, but I need to know which 50 week period. Was that from June of last year till June yeah, of this year? Correct. And uh, the 24 months, we'll go ahead and do 12 year, uh, twelve months and 24 months. So from June of last year and, you know, to have accurate data, I guess it seems like to go even further back. So, so okay. Yeah. So, and, to, and recently, are, are you still able to generate $10,000 a week? Yes. Okay. That's outstanding. I would say it's a little, actually, I take that back. I'm sorry. I take that back. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm going to correct myself. I'd say right now, we're talking about that number, I would say it's eight. Okay, uh, okay. And here's what I expect. It's gonna get worse. We just came, how long have you been an owner-operator? Uh, about a year and a half. Okay, so let me try to explain if somebody hasn't freight cycles. So we have freight cycles. Freight rates are volatile. This is one of the most volatile industries I've, yeah, I've worked in. So. You know, we can go back to 2008. Um, that was our last big freight downturn. The rates tanked. Um, everybody was going out of business. It was a horrible time for trucking. It was a horrible time for the economy. And trucking was just a part of that. Since then, we have not seen a significant downturn in the, in the economy or in trucking until just recently. 
this year. This year, around January is when rates really started to tank. They were dropping a little bit in some segments. They're still strong in some places, but they're, they're weakening. And I expect that we will probably see they'll continue to drop some and then we'll probably stay down at that lower rate for another probably 24 months at least. And I don't like to predict out much further than that until we see what happens. So one of the things we have to get our mind around right now is that the numbers where that you are used to for a year and a half um, are not normal numbers. I had not seen those numbers right, right. in the entire 40 years I've been in this industry. That, that was the first time we've seen numbers like this. So, and I, I will say that we have single drivers at Landstar doing these kind of numbers, or we did at the peak. I have single drivers with their own authority still doing these numbers, but that's unusual. And we shouldn't really pay too much attention to that because those are guys that have been doing the right things for a decade to get to that place. You don't just buy a truck, go out and do a right. bunch of things right and get there. No matter how good you are at this, it just takes time. It takes time to build up some relationships. So, uh, Of course, you have to have interpersonal skills. You have to be good at business. You have to be good at sales, yeah. relationships. Yep. Exactly. And then over and, you know, time. My numbers are not necessarily based off of uh, what I have. These are based off of numbers that I've talked to a lot of drivers. Right, right. You know, that and, I've been here for five plus years. And right. these are accurate. I'm not saying they're not. I'm just saying we we try to help people to get to a place better than average. You know, so we talk a lot about averages because they help us. But our goal is always to get somebody to where we're well above average. I mean, that's that's the whole point of doing all of this. Absolutely. So I will say yeah. this, that yeah. given the current situation, it should not be difficult to generate these kind of numbers at Landstar. This, this wouldn't be hard at all. When you say these kind of numbers, are you referring to the 10,000 rooms that I was Just the 10,000, because the, about... the seven is meaningless. Okay. Forget that number. It is right. absolutely forget the, meaningless. Forget the seven. Right. Here, here's what so I shoot for. Is 20,000 realistic at Landstar? Do you think that's realistic? 20,000 a week? I thought we were talking about 10,000 a week. I'm, I'm, no, I'm saying that's what currently is happening at the company that I'm at right now. Oh, 20, no way. Was, is it realistic? No way. Atlanta, Never. Think it's not realistic? Nobody's doing 20 a week. Team? No, let, let's think about that for a second. If I'm doing my math right, 20 sure. a week, that's a million dollars a year. Right? Right, as a team truck. Yeah, oh, no way. Correct. I've never seen it done, not even once. If somebody is telling you that, you send them here because I'd, I'd love to see their tax return. 40 years I've done accounting for tens yeah. of thousands of owner operators. I've never seen a team truck generate a million dollars, ever. So if somebody's putting out these n numbers, they're just lying. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the hard part in this industry, right? Is, uh, well, let's, know, let's imagine this. Egos, and you oh, yeah. Out. Well, Right. So we have outright lying just because of egos. We have things like this $7,000 net that is just a meaningless number. It shouldn't even be talked about. Um, I don't care what your cost is after fuel. I want to know what, what, or what your profit is after fuel. I want to know what your profit is after everything. Because that, that's all that matters. To run around that's saying, really oh, well, after fuel, I, I don't care. Tell me about everything. Because one of the ways you might have got your fuel costs down was you might have went and bought a $220,000 new truck that got better fuel economy. 
Well, so what? You had to spend $220,000 to do it. Right. But if we don't know that, so that's why forget all these in-between numbers. The only two numbers we should be looking at, absolute gross, absolute net. And and no, nobody's doing $20,000 a week. 10000 a week right now with the team could become a struggle anywhere. The freight rates just aren't going to support that. Yeah. How, how many? So let, 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 let's, right let's do this. Let, let's do this. Let's just let's just go through some numbers so we can see how this doesn't make sense. How many miles do you expect that this team truck's going to put on for the year? Just give me a rough number. For the year, I mean, let's say, for example, at uh, to make it easy, six thousand. Let's say five thousand a week for a month would be twenty thousand. So for the year, you're looking at about two hundred twenty thousand. Right. So Let's just make it simple math. Yeah. So at two hundred and twenty thousand, in order to generate a million dollars in revenue, you are going to be have to be north of four dollars a mile for every mile you run, and the average spot market rate is about two twenty. It, it, it just there's no way anybody could be generating those kinds of numbers. That freight does not exist. Now it, when we say four dollars yeah. a mile, somebody's going to go, "Oh, I had a load, you know, last year that was four. Yeah, you had one, and that doesn't take into account all the deadhead miles we do. When we talk about, when I say you need four plus dollars per mile, that's for every single mile, mile after mile after mile. So if you have empty miles, now that means you're probably going to have freight have to have freight that pays six dollars a mile to generate these kind of numbers. It's just not happening. Yeah. Let me ask you a quick question because I. So let, let's I'm let's go back and calculate right, one number real food. quick. If we could do that, sure. Uh, that kind of mileage, and the real rate per mile is about two twenty. Do the math. That's what a team truck is a, is probably yeah. going, and and that's a stretch because if the the average spot market rate is that number, and you have empty miles, so very few people are going to generate a true, you know, $2.30 a mile. That That's becoming difficult to do. But if you do, you'd only be looking at 400000 a year, not a million. Yeah. Now, here's one more number you can work with. I guess my with. question is... We, it, it, this is an average sure. again, but it gets us in the ballpark, starts us to get us to understand these numbers. For an owner-operator, single truck, even with a team, it doesn't change that much. A good number to shoot for is if you can net half of what you gross. Mm -hmm. That's a pretty typical number to shoot for. I know lots of owner operators who are only netting about 35% of what they gross because they're, they're not running their business well. Right. They didn't buy the right truck. They didn't spec it right. They don't pay attention to fuel mileage. They don't try to lower their maintenance costs. They end up roughly... Um, at, at that about 35 to 40% of what they gross is what they net. We, our goal immediately is to get somebody up to 50%. Yeah. Okay. Uh, if I may ask my friend, uh, so here's my, here's my thinking process. Like you said, right. There's a ratio between freight and trucks and obviously you can't time the market, but obviously we're in a bad time in the market. Yes. I guess my question is, is that if a team truck, in this scenario, for the sake of argument, is able to transition to one company from another company and make more money in a time like this as a team truck. When I say more money, I don't want to get too convoluted with the vocabulary, but gross. Yeah, right. Um, my question is, do you think it's beneficial to have an opportunity at a company like Landstar where you can specialize in a certain niche 
especially if you're able to compete having certain, you know, better sales skills, interpersonal skills, business skills, Absolutely. you know how to build relationships and Absolutely. Yeah, go into a niche, for example, government loads and kind of almost in a sense, be able, be able to take a, create a monopoly in a sense, right? Because it's dependent on how well you can talk. How are your sales skills? Yep. Uh, do you think that's a beneficial Absolutely. idea? Do you think that's a good idea? Absolutely. Transition like that? So here, here's, let me even expand on that idea. I, I've helped lots and lots of people become owner operators. I've worked with lots of them over the years. Some of them are excellent truck drivers and they're really good at delivering freight. They don't really want to be in business. They, they kind of do. They want to own their own truck so they can do their own thing, but they really don't want to run the business. They don't want to deal with things like interpersonal skills and sales and that. They, they want to drive a truck and generate revenue. I tell those people, go find a good carrier that pays by the mile on a decent contract and just go work because you're going to frustrate yourself yeah. if you do anything else. But when I hear somebody like you that understands that there's business skills and you can get better and better at them and there are sales skills and inter now that's a person I'm going to recommend that they either go to somebody like Landstar and I I've worked with Landstar for a couple decades. I'm currently not working with them officially, but I still recommend them a lot. Um, or go get yeah. your own authority and start building, you know, your own freight base, one of the two. Landstar is a great interim start. Right, right. Landstar is as close as you're going yes. to get to having your own authority without all the back office hassles. Exactly, exactly. It's a good step to the top, you know what I mean? Uh, it, obviously, in the goal, and no, you know, no disrespect to anybody, but, you know, I come from a sales background. For me, I don't want to be in a truck my whole life. My idea is to be able to build an operational system that generates that money for me so that I don't have to be in the truck. So, so that's my idea is having the opportunity to grow. Yep. And, uh, you know, so, own authority, own freight, even possibly a brokerage. I, absolutely. So, and I've done all those things in the past. So this is a good plan for you. You're at a carrier now. You're looking at Landstar. I would say absolutely continue to look at it. If it looks good to you and it works out, it's a it can be a great place to be. Um, ultimately you do want to build yeah. a fleet and a trucking company. This is a good step. Now I have seen a lot of owner operators and I've helped them. And I've said, look, if you want your own authority, you're a little nervous about it. What about a year at Landstar? Uh, many of those guys are now there 15 years. Yeah. That's the plan. Yeah. They, they never made that next yeah. step. They got there. They were very happy with the whole thing. They love the, the fact that they kind yeah. of are, you know, really on their own doing their own thing, but they don't have all those other you know, Correct. all that other stuff that has to get done. When They have no plans on building a big yeah. trucking company. They want to make as much money as they can yeah. when they drive and then go home and enjoy life. And so it, it's a good place for them to stay. Well, you know, for you, I see it more of a stepping yeah, I mean, stone. I think, yeah, I mean, I think it's natural to get comfortable, you know what I mean? From one stepping stone to the other, you know, in the situation that I'm in, I'm, uh, you know, it's very easy to get comfortable. And I can assume that when you take that next step, assuming somebody went to Landstar, you know, over some time, you kind of get comfortable. So, yeah. you know, there's a lot of competition, yeah. especially me being at a young age. I'm in my mid-20s, you know. So it kind of, it, it, I, I can either choose to be comfortable or I can take the risk and see what else I can do. So, yes. you know, can't keep complaining about something without actually taking action. 
So I just wanted to see if it was realistic what I oh, was you, thinking. You've got a good and, plan. Uh, I appreciate you uh, yeah. giving me the time. It, it's very realistic, and, and you've got a solid plan. Just be careful about what numbers you listen to. Yeah. Yeah. I understand it's a learning curve. You know what I mean? I really yeah. Do. And if you ever want to check a number, verify, yeah, call me. Call me. If somebody says, hey, I, yeah, I you we'll know, do. I you, uh, yeah, just, just call me. Yeah, I definitely will. I definitely will. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks for the call. Great to have a new listener. Uh, thanks to whoever recommended the show to you. I appreciate it. Let's go to Texas. Mark, welcome to the program. Good morning. Uh, so uh, yesterday on Twitter, there was some, these people that this guy, and he was bemoaning and griping about, well, there's no money to be made. There's no money to be made. You know, owner operators are all going to go out of business or you know, whatever. And I'm like, you know, of course I told him he was wrong. I tagged you. I wanted you to see that. Uh, you probably see it all the time. Uh, and uh, then, go ahead. Yeah, I saw it. Um, I checked in late last night on my phone to just sit there. So I, I saw it and I started to respond and I thought, you know what? It's the weekend. I'll do it tomorrow. Um, I do want to respond to it because I couldn't disagree with that post more. Yeah. Yeah, because he he went on and on and on, and I said wrong, and then then he, then he accused me of just of either working for a big company. Uh, what was that all about? Uh, and I, I didn't even understand to, that comment. Wanted me to prove everything. Well, that's why. Well, that's why I posted that that meme of Office Space because it's like, you know, it's like, and and he had this defeatist attitude about everything. And what really pissed him off is when I told him he bought like a driver and not like an owner. And that's when he just went and called me all, you know, said, you're an asshole and blah, 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 and all like that. <laughs> but th th there seems to be this whole thing in the industry where people, I guess they're in love with the idea of running the business, but really don't want to run a business. They like the idea of it, but the, the idea of it, but they, they don't want to actually do it. I, I, I think they also and that's believe what that, that guy is about us. I, I agree with you. And I think they also believe that because they're out driving a truck that they own, that they're running a business. But the only part they're really doing is the driving part. Yeah, that's 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 not running that's a just, business. That's, that, that's part, part of it. it. No, it's it, not. Right. That's that. It's not real. I mean, that's what company drivers do. There's nothing wrong with that. Company drivers yeah. get paid to drive a truck. No, oh, and that's well, the if, people needed to do that. And yeah, if you want to be an owner-operator and all you want to do is drive the truck, well, guess how much money you're probably likely to make? About as much as somebody else just driving a truck. Now, when you show up as a business owner and you actually start providing value, then you'll get paid more. But that's not what they do. They, they just want to drive the truck. Well, then you can expect to get paid just about as much as everybody else driving a truck. Yeah, and... And then there was another guy. I I don't think I I don't think I tagged you in it or whatever. But there's another guy. And I was reading down, and he goes, "Well, I just bought a car. I just leased a car hauler for twelve fifty a week. Well, that's five thousand dollars a month." And I was like, and I made a comment to him, "Why? why like, why would you lease something like that? Why wouldn't you know?" I forgot what I exactly yeah. said to him, but I mean, I took a screenshot of that and I sent it to Paul because it was, you know, there's what we call a rent to rent to rent to never own. And uh, exactly, and, you know, and, and then and I asked him, I said, well, why, why would you, you know, ask him a question? He goes, well, I'm not good at a truck with a sleeper and an 80 footer. And I'm like, that doesn't even make sense. 
I no, mean, it I doesn't. run a high rail, which is different, but it doesn't make sense that, you know, he just made excuses. So I don't know who he went to. I mean, there's several companies out there that will, you know, rent you a truck, but I, I just was like, that doesn't even make sense. I thought, I, I, I don't understand people. You know, he got hit. Apparently, he got ahead in, in over his head, and, and now it's got a $5,000 a month payment and, and probably doesn't want to put the time in because with something like that, let me, let me you're going to have to put in six, six days a week. Exactly. And let me almost guarantee something. He has no idea what his numbers are. No, he, he would never, you None. know. Right. Just doesn't even you know. All know. he knows Just, is it's 12000 Right. It's, it's, it's $12,050 a week, $5,000 a month. That's all he knows. And it's like, you know, you start that far in the hole and you add it up <laughs> month after month in a year, you start that foot much in the hole. Well, and, and let's you think about this. Out. One, there's, I want, I, I ask this question a, a lot. I want somebody to gr- give me a reason to sign a lease purchase agreement. Give me a reason, any reason. What what is the reason for doing this? Let's just start there. There's only one, really. There's only one legitimate reason to sign one of these things. It's because you have no credit and no money. That's the only reason to sign one of these things. People, somebody was thought they were going to be really smart one day and said, "No, I have a better reason. I'm I'm not sure if I want to be in business. So this is like a trial run." I can promise you this. If you're not sure you do, if you want to be in business or not, you shouldn't be. Yeah. Uh, this is not a small decision. This, not, this isn't something you should need a trial yeah. run for. If you're not, if you don't have some burning desire to be a business owner, then you shouldn't be a business owner, really. Yeah. Uh, my, my reason to go into business was I got tired of being laid off and I just decided I got tired of sick of working for people that, you know, was, were, you know, why didn't you read this email? Why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do that? And it's like, <laughs> I think I can work for myself and do a lot better than, but I, I, I thinking about this starting in the hole years ago in the, in the mid, uh, like 2008, seven, somewhere around there, when I was in grad school to get my MBA, I, I drove a taxi cab. Cause I didn't have anything else to do that could really, you know, I could set my own hours. Right. And, and in Houston, to drive a taxi cab, you had to like rent the cab, and yes, it was that's you had common. to pay a hundred dollars. It was ninety nine dollars a day, ninety nine dollars yes. a day, <laughs> and you had to buy fuel, and you had to do all of that before you even made any money. And yep. so they wanted their ninety nine dollars at the end of the day. Now, if you did six days, that's six hundred dollars a week. If you did six days, they'd give you Sunday for free. So, <laughs> what a deal! I'm telling you, I like that's that's my that's my venture into I guess lease to never own or whatever. You're right. I mean, paying six hundred dollars a week for a damn taxi cab to go how, out there and run it. So how, you had to. How started, many people shared the same day, cab? Ninety nine dollars. Well, I kept mine sometimes for a week or whatever, but I was in the pool. But they would they would actually lease to never own you a cab. They would let you sign it if you. Oh, it was yours. Sign it. You just could okay. turn the cab back in. Yeah, they yeah. actually had programs. A buddy of mine did that, and he 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 got an old piece of crap, and it was always in the shop. They'd work on it, and send you a bill. <laughs> but it was like, I, I'm telling you, you that know, was my venture in the lease to never owned was driving a taxi cab. You know, w- one of the 
few deals I've heard that are worse than like lease purchase and trucking and rent to own and in cabs. One of the deals that is actually worse are the chicken and pig farms. I had no idea those were so bad. Those people pay like to put up one chicken barn and with three of those things, they can generate like 25,000 a year in profit. Are you kidding me? Good Lord. Uh, The numbers are just, I read a whole book about this. The numbers were awful and the amount of work is insane. Yeah. And in the cab business, you worked all week to basically pay your weekly. And then you had to work Friday night, Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday, and your free Sunday to actually make any money. So can I do a a little anti-government rant here? Sure. So when we talk about things like this, look, let's let's even bring in the, the last call where somebody was out there trying to claim, not the caller, he's getting his information, he's asking good questions. Um, He ran across people who are really, if you don't break down their numbers, they were trying to claim that you could generate a million dollars a year with the team truck. That is total bullshit. So there's the first problem. There's an awful, oh, I saw one on Twitter the other day. They posted some guy over on TikTok with like a couple hundred thousand followers Um, was claiming you could make a million dollars a year with a straight truck and one driver. And people believe this stuff. Yeah, people believe this stuff. There's the first problem. They sign these things without any basic understanding of numbers or this whole thing of gross 10,000, take home seven. Seven what? Take home? What the hell is that? And it turns out, oh, well, it's after fuel and taxes. Who the hell came up with that goofy number? That's a, at first it's wrong. It's just a lie. And we shouldn't even be looking at a number like that anyway. So now you take this all into account and people keep signing these over and over and over, no matter how many people fail at them. And do you know what the government's working on right now? Right now, today, just read it again this morning. They, they've got a, a, a leasing task force and they're going to rewrite the rules so people don't get taken advantage of. What a waste of time. You can't write enough regulations to save people from their own ignorance. Yeah, because people want something for nothing. And companies will find a way to take advantage of them. Yeah. Yeah, they, they, it's, just, it's just sales. It's just people get out there. And it's, it's like a car salesman yep. selling a lease or whatever. It's like, oh, you yeah. can make all this money right here. Oh, really? It's so easy. It's right there. We just give you the truck and you can go out and run the loads. Yep. Yep. So they can they can change the regulations. They can rewrite a bunch of new regulations. And as soon as they're out, there will be people out there tearing them apart, figuring out how to get around them. You you, you won't talk regulation. You ain't ever heard regulation until you start reading taxi cab rules. Oh, Jesus it's Christ. insane. Well, it's like why, why do I mean, we you think? Have to, first of all, you got to wear a collared shirt. <laughs> It you have to wear a collared shirt. You can't have anything in your right front seat. And if you do, I had a water bottle. They got me a speeding ticket. They also wrote me for having a personal effect in the right front seat. There's all kinds of rules. They got, they got, they got, they also, they also the city of Houston has taxi cab cops too. Is it, is it any so wonder people out here why, thinking the DOT's bad. why Uber and Lyft were so successful? No, it is. That's just it. <laughs> I mean, if you want to try to well, get a taxi cab in Houston, if you it, weren't there, then the downtown or Galleria area, you are getting one. So let, let's compare the two. I've told this story before. The last time I took a taxi, I hate cabs. I've always hated cabs. 
So when I used to travel, I used to get rental cars, no matter how expensive or inconvenient it was. And it is, you got to go pick it up. You got to take it back. You got to make sure it's got gas. It, it was horribly inconvenient and expensive. I, I rented cars on a trip where all I did was drive from the airport to the hotel, do a couple things for a couple days and go back. To, and I had a car the whole time. It would have made much more sense to take a cab. I hate cabs that much. The last time I had to take one, we got to the where I was getting out and the guy, I hand the guy my credit card and he's like, I can't take that. My machine's not working. I'm like, well, I don't have cash. What do you want me to do? And he's, he's all pissed off and he's throwing stuff around. And then he just drives away. I'm like, well, fine. I don't care. But he had an attitude. The cabs are dirty. They ride like crap. They're noisy. They're all tore up. The whole taxi industry sucks. Then Uber and Lyft come along, and now I get really nice cars, and I can choose my level of service. If I want, you know, luxury service, I can get it. If I want a bigger vehicle, I can just choose it in the app. The people are nice. If they're not nice, I report them. I never get matched with them again. Taxis, here's the greatest example of, of overregulated industry being horrible to deal with. And Uber basically became a taxi with zero regulations, right? Yes. And what a difference. Now, I will say the service has gone downhill some on the standard service, but I have an option. I don't have to take the standard service. I can pay more and get the white glove service or the Lux service, whichever one they're calling it. And it is a totally different experience. I have the choice. If I just don't care about, you know, it's a quick, short ride, I might take the cheap one. Almost all the time, though, I just upgrade. When I do uh, Lyft, I just upgrade. It's a much better experience. Yeah, it's, 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 it's so much better. I mean... The worst cab ride I think I ever had was in Atlantic City, and it was like, it was it was horrible. I, I took a train from Philadelphia. I flew to Philadelphia. I took a train to Philadelphia. The train going over was horrible. It was slow, slow, slow. <laughs> and I had to take a cab to my hotel, and the cabs in Atlantic City are probably, well, Las Vegas isn't much better. Oh, to be honest with you, awful. if you take a cab off the street, and if you take a cab off the strip in Las Vegas and go somewhere, well, we went to a Little Peak concert off the strip, like five to six miles off the strip, couldn't get a cab. When a concert was over, could not get a cab. All the cabs in Australia, they would you not know, come over and get you over there. You know, here here's something that Lyft offers. It may not sound like a big deal, but if you travel a lot and you use cabs or rental cars or these services, it is kind of a big deal. When I book through the app, I can choose things like how I want the temperature set in the car when it gets there. I can check whether I want a quiet ride or not. Most of the time, honestly, I don't want to talk to the driver. <laughs> I didn't even know that. I, I, I'm sorry. I, it's yeah. not that. I talk for a living, and I need a break from talking sometimes. I need a break from people sometimes. So many times I just check on the app. I want a quiet ride. Don't talk to me. What an awesome service compared to what taxis do. Oh, it's like, and another thing about Las Vegas taxis, if you don't tell them, you know, they will, they'll take the long round, long way around to get a higher fare. They'll, they'll um, take you through that tunnel and out on the freeway and come back around. <laughs> if, you, if you tell them don't do that, they're like, well, you'll get you there a lot quicker. Yeah. Well, I don't want to pay an extra $10 to get there that quick. I'm not in that big a hurry. Exactly. You know, and yeah, well, and, 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 and that, here's that what... guy that was, that guy that was 
that, that guy with the credit card thing, he probably, number one, he probably didn't want to pay the credit card fee or he was in a bind and he wanted the cash because he might, may, might make him wait to get the cash from the credit card company because they, they got to run it through their credit card processing. Yeah. So there's yeah. a backstory to the reason. And most of them, if he was a foreigner, I guarantee you he was. that's why. He was, yeah. Uh, which I'm okay yeah, well, with. They, that they, they, don't that, want, they don't want to do know, it. They want to. Yeah. Um, look, I, I don't. They, just, I, they want to run. The, I am not anti-immigration at all. We need lots of people from other countries coming here. What's what's makes us strong. We no, need to be. Not, we need just, to be pickier about it's, it. It's yeah. just a different thought. Right. And here's the other it's thing. Diff- it's just a different thought. If you're going to be my taxi driver, you better speak decent English. That bothers me. I, look, I, I, oh, I don't you, I don't care if I you come over here and want to live here without learning our language. That's on you. It's going to be difficult on you. If you take a job that you're going to interact with the public, you better learn the language. I'm sorry. That's just basic. Oh, yeah. This is even before this is before uh, GPS. These poor people would get in the cab with these Nigerians from the airport because you can when the Super Bowl first came to Houston, they passed out all these medallions. We need more cabs. They passed out extra medallions. Well, people claimed them. Well, if you weren't part of the yellow system in Houston, rent it with a cab. You had to go find your own freight. And the only place to get freight, Hobby and Air Continental <laughs> yeah, Airport. Right. So they go sit there all day to get two or three what, two or three, two or three uh, pickups a day. Where they were going, so, so they didn't know where they were going. They just go pick them up. Do so they go sit in line at the airport for five hours yep. to get somebody going clear across town? That, that's what they did. Yep. So you go to the, you come to Houston, you think, good God, Lord, and they wouldn't tell them that the the rates are regulated in Houston because it's from the airport to downtown for certain certain areas. There's there's set rates. Yes, and they would go and just charge them whatever the hell they wanted to. <laughs> and, and people they were stuck doing it. Yeah. So it, you know, and it's. It's the, the cab industry did it to themselves. Well, and you know, just, you know what else makes me a little they crazy to be though. In bed with these governments. You mentioned Vegas, and that's one of the cities where it's heavily regulated. New York, the East Coast, taxis are heavily regulated. Yeah, the, the cab drivers are also, union there. Right, and here's the problem: what's going on in Vegas? And this is just one example. I use Lyft. I don't use Uber because I don't like their model. So I use Lyft. Uh, Normally, somewhere near the regular taxi stand at the hotel is the rideshare stand. They're usually right there. Both of them are fairly convenient. Um, not at where? What hotel was I in this last time? I don't really, now I can't even remember. Oh, the New York, New York. Is that it? It's got the gondola rides. Whatever one that is with the gondola yeah. rides. Uh, yeah. They, the unions complained and they moved the ride share up into like the third floor of some weird parking garage on the other side of the hotel. That's bullshit. That that kind of pressure from unions That's on stuff crazy. like that just makes me insane. Yeah, the driver was pissed because yeah. it added like a, a good solid 10 minutes to a trip to the airport. And, and the other thing was yeah. trying to find that ride share location i just assumed i hit you know lift i said i'm on my way down the driver's going to be here in four minutes by the time i get down to the the regular taxi stand i'm looking around and i'm like where's the ride share now i'm texting the guy and he's like oh it's way over now he had to wait another 10 minutes for me to get over there and then it takes him that much longer to get out of the parking lot it's it just sucks unions and and regulation and that's what destroys our economy it is. It's, it's, that's the unnecessary regulation right there. Right. And, you know, people, 
People in the trucking industry think that, oh, we got all this regulation with the DOT. Look, the cab industry's got them all beat. Oh, it's, yeah. I'm just telling you, the cab yeah, industry, it's bad. because those companies are in bed with the cities, and it's like, it's almost like it's run by the mob. And it's and, like, in some places, I think uh, it is. It's just, it, it is. I mean, you know, before Lyft and Uber, a medallion in New York City was like some crazy number, <laughs> 100,000, I don't know, maybe a million dollars. I know. I know. You know. To be able to run a cab, a simple cab. Yep. So, but anyway. All right. That's about all I got for today. All right. Good stuff. Let's continue on. Calls are still coming in. Uh, let's go to Illinois. Dale, welcome to the program. Hi, Kevin. Uh, I'm on my hands free. Can you hear me okay? Uh, you're all right. Go ahead. Okay. Well, I wanted to give you an update. I had talked to you about uh, my sugars, and uh, uh, you had talked to me about that. I think that NutriSense, that glucose monitoring system yes and i had uh i'm the one that uh i i uh, failed a, a medical uh physical okay and uh anyways um i had spoke he told me to talk to some do- a doctor and i did that i talked to one doctor and they said they don't want to mess any with anything related to diabetes um or anything like that and i talked to another wait, one wait, and I wait, 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 stop. I want to go back and make sure I'm understanding something. Are you looking for a new doctor? <laughs> well, the first doctor, I talked to my family, the one I've always practiced with, and he doesn't want to mess with any anything related to diabetes or blood sugars. Uh, uh, he, does, he doesn't want to mess with that. He's a family doctor, a general practitioner? Yes. If you don't want so, to deal with diabetes as a doctor, just just retire now. What the hell is that? But what do you mean you don't want to deal with anything with diabetes? That's what he told me. That, he, that's like, he uh, imagine if you pulled your truck into the shop and the shop's like, sorry, we don't want to work on injectors today. I don't yeah. even understand that. But anyway, so you can't work with your family doctor. Now you're out looking for a new doctor. What's going on? Right. So I found another doctor. So I'm, I'm more confused now uh, than I was before I called you the original time. So the doctor told me that um, they will not prescribe me one of those uh, monitor, monitoring systems uh, because he says my sugars are high enough. Uh, he told me in order to be uh, to even think about getting that, my sugars would have to be over 140. So, so which? Where do I? Well, hold on a second. What number does he want over 140? Because we can't just say sugars. There, there's fasting, blood glucose, there's A1C. We need, this is kind of like the whole issue with the 10,000 and 7,000. We need to get specific about terms and numbers here. Does he want your fasting blood glucose to be over 140? Well, Kevin, I, I really don't know. I'm I know. I'm kind of ignorant of all this. Well, it's not your fault. The doctor should be just explaining these things better. I mean, if hell, if I can do it on a radio show, why can't they do it with a human being in their office with them? So I, 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 I 
may have even mentioned to you, I probably said, get one from your doctor if you can, because they won't prescribe them in cases like this. Here's, here's what pisses me off about this. If we catch somebody early enough when maybe they're pre-diabetic, maybe they're not full-blown diabetic yet, and we issue them a CGM, maybe they'll learn and they won't become diabetic. But if their answer is, oh, no, I'm not going to give you this until you're a diabetic. I start to believe it's on purpose. They don't want to help anybody. If they wanted to help people, they would prescribe this to anybody. I should be able to get my doctor to prescribe one. I should just be able to walk in and say, I, I and I'll pay for it. I'm not asking for anything free. But, but because of the FDA, you have to have a prescription to get one of these things, and doctors won't issue them. I'm not asking for free. I'm not even asking for my insurance company to pay for it. Just issue me one. But they won't. So then they wait until people become diabetic. And then it's usually too late because the advice they're going to give them is going to suck. So they give them a CGM and it doesn't really do much good anyway because they never explain to the patient how they work. Yep. Well, I mean, I'm clueless on all this, so So I'm trying to learn as I go. Here's what um, I can tell you. I I can give you a solution to this, a very, very good solution, but you're going to have to spend some money. What is this? What is that? So go to NutriSense, and I believe the website is NutriSense.io. I believe we do have some sort of a discount code. Um, Let me go back and see if I can find it. I think we might have, yeah, we have 25% off. So if you go, what do we have to do here? Um, use code Let's Truck Twenty Five. So if you go to NutriSense and sign up, we can at least get you twenty five bucks off. Um, you will not only will you get a CGM, you will get a nutritionist to work with you, and that nutritionist will work with whatever diet you say you are on. If you want to be on a keto diet, they will work with you on a keto diet. If you want to be on a mostly carnivore diet, they will work with you on a mostly carnivore diet. They will help you understand the correlation between what you eat and your blood sugar. They'll help you understand the app and the CGM and how to use it. You will get 10 times better service and you will learn 10 times more if you get your your sensor from NutriSense than if you get it from your doctor. Okay, can I ask you a couple more questions here? Sure. Um, so, I was thinking about going back to the original doctor that actually fucked me. Do you think that would be a, because so far, she's been the one that's been, you know, kind of woke me up to all this and, and alerted me to, I might have some issues going on here. So, because I kind of struck out on those last two, I would think that would be a maybe a good... Well, wait a minute. Are you talking... She's not the one that says she doesn't work with diabetic patients, right? Right. She's the one that she's the one that actually fucked me on my physical the first time, saying oh, that my no, no. Pressure, my blood pressure was too Look. high, my sugar was too high, and this Here's my advice: stay away from the traditional medical community completely. 
they will, they will never, ever cure you of your diabetes. In fact, go back to that woman and ask her if you want, can you show me how to cure my diabetes? And if she says yes, and she actually has a plan, then I would work with her. But every doctor will, will tell you that every traditional doctor I've ever talked to, they will look at you and say, you can't cure diabetes. All we can do is manage it. That's when you want to run the other way. We cure it every day. I'm a freaking ex-truck driver, and I can cure people of diabetes in a couple of weeks. Okay, well, let me ask you this, Kevin. The uh, second doctor that I talked to that I told you, um, they wouldn't do anything until my sugar levels was over 140. They also told me that I'm not diabetic yet. Yes, you uh, are. They're so wrong. I know Wendy, what Wendy, I know what metric they're using, and they're just wrong. You are diabetic, and so what? Let's 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 just throw the whole thing out the window. Does it really matter if you're diabetic or not yet? You're heading that way, right? I am. Yes. So what are they doing to stop it? <laughs> Nothing. Nothing. I mean Exactly. They won't stop it. They won't. And that's what I mean. You could go to 10 traditional doctors. None of them are going to do a damn thing to actually cure your diabetes. So where should my goal be at? Should I be under 100 or should I just throw that blood sugar level out the window? Just throw it out the window. Go go get the CG. Here's, Here's why I can't give you a number because there's too many different situations. Do you realize during the time you and I have been talking, your blood sugar has probably changed 10 times? I would have never thought that, though. Yeah. So, look, you want to get your, let me give you a hack. If you really want to work with the doctor that says, I won't give it to you until your blood sugar's over 140, I can fix that. Just when you go for your next A1C or your next blood test with that doctor, and just schedule one. Say, I want to come in and do a blood test again. Just drink a big glass of orange juice and eat a Snickers bar. Your blood sugar will be about 200, and then he'll he'll prescribe one to you. What changed? Nothing. I can guarantee you I can get your blood sugar over 140 if that's the number he's looking for. Cheesy. We can do that in about 30 minutes. Well, I'm, I'm completely confused on all this. So, I mean, can I keep, will you, would you keep helping me? Absolutely. And, uh, I'll keep calling in. And Absolutely. You keep, keep trying to guide me. Now, I, I can help, I will help you no matter what. If you do nothing except call me and ask me questions, I will continue to help you. I'll help you even more if you actually take my advice, because then I can do more good. I would go get the CGM from Nutrisense. Because then you can send me your results and I can analyze them for you and help you with them. And you'll also have a nutritionist at NutriSense that'll do it with you. And they're good. I've had them on my show before. They're really good. And that that is that monitoring system you originally told me about where I can share the information with you, okay? Yep. Okay. All righty, well, I'll go to their website and... uh, I'll uh, try to get that order tonight, or today, sometime, or tomorrow morning, then. Excellent. Excellent. And anytime you got well, a question, call me. All right. I appreciate it, Kevin. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Talk to you soon. Let's go to Texas. 
Fred, welcome to the program. Good morning, Kevin. What's on your mind today? Um, where are all these guys? Where are all these guys that won't run under three fifty a mile? <laughs> they retired. They they took their truck and went oh, home. Oh, they retired. They're, they made so much money. They're they all financially so independent. That they retired? Right? Yeah. Okay. Okay. I'm just curious because I haven't heard that in a while. So yeah. Well, they're, they're they're um, they're hanging out at the liars counters with the teams that are doing a million dollars a year. So I want to give. Uh, people, a li- uh, I guess anecdotally, not really definitively. So um, I told you I've got this hopper bottom trailer that I won on the auction. So I'm in route now next week. Uh, well, actually, Wednesday. Next week I'm going to pick it up. But Wednesday I'm taking a power only out, and I'm going to do another power only down to North Carolina to pick up this trailer. And I already have connections in that business now from going on load boards and talking to people and trying to get myself educated and trying to get acclimated and filling out carrier packages. So when I hit the ground over there Monday the 24th, I have a load about an hour and a half away waiting for me. Now, I don't care what it pays because North Carolina right now for hopper bottoms, unless you're running local or have a some kind of deal, it's it, it, you know, it's kind of a, a dead state right now. I don't know if that's always, but it is right now on the load boards, you know, from what I can find. Uh, so that's the difference between a, a driver mentality and an owner mentality and a bit and running a business. Anecdotally. Absolutely. And, you know, I know the American dream is to own a business, but it, it's really only for a small percentage of the people. Most people just don't want all the extra work and risk and hassle. They think they do because they don't understand how much work and risk and hassle there is. And it's why we have such well, a huge failure Well, we're raising a whole generation in, of that, Kevin. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. I, I can't even imagine how bad things could become um, the way we're going. But it, it, it's, you know, it's kind of always been this way and I'm okay with it. I don't want to see that change. I, I think it should be easy to get into business and it should be easy to fail. And if you fail, move on, go do something else or try again. But uh, this idea that right. that just because you went started a business, you're somehow entitled to something like some certain rate or some certain level of success. Oh, hell no. Where did you ever get that idea? I know. I see it in my own son. I've talked about him. You kind of get the feel of how I operate. I have a plan. I, I, I work diligently. I'm up however how many hours it takes to keep myself going in a positive direction. And sometimes I don't go in a positive direction. The day just turns out negative, and that's what it is. But it's the day. It's not the, it's not the, not the, not the week, not the year, not the month. Uh, you know, and I'm telling my son, we're going to relocate up to New York. He wants to go to school. I said, have you gone online and looked what's involved in this course you want to take? Well, I figured I'd wait till I get to New York, he tells me. I look at him, I'm like, really? <laughs> and it's uh, my own son. He's I know. been around me for 20 years. Yeah. So, it, I mean, I said, it's really, it really makes a difference to know what you're going into than to get up there and figure out this is not what you want to do. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't know. I it's you know he he. Uh, you know I I you know you try to teach things, teach some life lessons and they think you're mad at them. I know one of the things I think we we fail to realize as parents. Uh, you know we we want to provide for our family well, which means working a lot or running your business means working a lot. We try to stay as involved with our kids as we can, 
And sometimes we fail to stop and realize who are they being more influenced by? Am I really, do I really have enough time to spend with them? And am I spending enough time with them that I'm having much of an influence at all? They're spending how many hours a day at school? And look at what they're surrounded with. That's hard to overcome. Our school system has become well, such a Well, it's not only that. It's not only that. I'm gonna, I, I, my wife showed me a video of a young girl who's, a, who's yeah, I guess she's in her early 20s. And she, she blames a lot of this on the Internet in a sense that no one knew this is the first generation that's, that's, that's known the Internet from birth. Right. Um, you know, and so no one really realized the damage that the Internet will cause on anxiety and all this other stuff. And she blames not that, you know, it's it's also personal responsibility. Of course, it boils down to that. But she blames not, you know, parents well intended, but didn't understand the consequences that the Internet really will have long term. And I kind of understand where she was going with it, you know. I, I could probably say the Internet is the worst thing that's happened to humans. I really do. And, you know, I was one of the first users. Yeah. I was on early. I use it constantly. I, but, but honestly, it's kind of like me now saying AI. AI is going to be worse than, than the Internet ever was. Um, and that's, that's bad. Yeah. Uh, but, but it's even worse right. because AI is going to make the Internet worse. That that's really one of the bigger problems. But I, I do believe that everything about computer technology has been really bad for the human race. Yes. Now, people could come up with all kinds of advantages. Uh, oh, look, we have all these cool medical technology. Talk about all the damn medical technology you want. Look around. People are fat, sick and stupid. So whatever yeah. medical breakthroughs you think computers or all this technology has generated, it has not helped the overall health of human beings. It has made it far, far worse. Getting that through to people is, you know, is um, is a tough is a tough sell. Well, and and. Um. And sometimes we might as well just go beat our head against the wall, because even if we get it through to people, how much difference is it going to make? I know how bad the Internet is for me, and I'm on it all day anyway. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, since, uh, <laughs> since I got on Twitter, I've been more and more on it myself. Uh, you just find if you want to figure out what's going on and who's saying what. I, I use it as and, a tool. I mean, without the Internet, my business wouldn't exist. Without computers, yeah, my yeah, business got, wouldn't exist. My, the first thing I ever did when I bought my first truck, the next thing I bought was a computer. And I started writing spreadsheets. And then I started helping my friends with spreadsheets. And then I wrote a software. And that's, my business would not have been started without a computer. It wouldn't have expanded without the Internet. So I, I'm kind of hypocritical when I say it's the worst thing that's ever happened. But it is. It's here to stay, so I'm going to at least try to take advantage of it. Although, I, I am going to start removing myself from this technology as often as I can and still run a business. Yeah, yeah. I get that. I get that. So, uh, to change the subject, brief, well, not briefly, but to change the subject, did you? I know you've, kind of, you've been staying away from the news and everything over the weekends and such, but Friday there was a... Uh, uh, some kind of conference up in Iowa. I think it was mostly religious Republicans or whatever. And Tucker Carlson was on there 
um, interviewing all the presidential candidates that showed up. Yeah. Did you see any of that? I didn't see any of that. No, sounds Did you see how? Oh, you didn't? Oh, my God. Yeah, you should definitely try to find. I would go to TuckerCarlson.com to see if he, he posted any of it. But two presidential candidates completely lit their campaigns on fire with simple questions that he was asking. Uh, Vivek was one Asa of them. Hutt. No, no, no. no. He, did, he okay. did well. He did well. No, he, no. But the two people that lit their campaigns on fire as far as shooting themselves in the foot oh. was Asa Hutchinson and, well, and the vice president, Mike Pence. Well, neither one of them are really Republicans, are they? Well, that, that's what I mean. But, yeah. you know, when, they, when you go to a conservative, when you go to a conservative Christian conference and you say that it's OK to mutilate children, it should be up to the parents to decide. I mean, you, you, that's you know, what I mean. you're they're not you're toast. they're not conservatives or they're not Republic Republicans. It's hell. I, I don't even believe any libertarians would believe that one. Right. And Pence, he was talking about Ukraine and. Tucker said, well, what about the, the all these towns across America that are failing and all these people dying? And he said, that's not my concern. <laughs> Can you imagine that? Yeah, well, maybe he wants to be president of His Ukraine. Concern- then. Yeah. Well, apparently that's most of these people do. Yeah, I don't get the whole Ukraine see, thing. I, mean, I really the, you, don't. You see, there, there's something. You see it online. I mean, there's so many people that if you talk negatively about Ukraine, there's something wrong with you. Uh, I, I don't need to talk negatively about Ukraine as a country. It's just another country, but no, no, we, I mean, we should have I nothing about, whatsoever about to do them. with it. Right. I'm saying yeah. about funding oh, them. Yeah, I'll stand here all day long. We should not give them another penny. 100%. I, why I like, uh, why I like are we... I like strategy uh, with this, and I like Trump's strategy with this. Exactly. And, and it's much, much closer to the libertarian strategy. We are not the world's police. We should not be doing this kind of crap all over the world. Correct. Correct. But to get the, 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 uh, the establishment elites to understand that is, the, I think, and the worst. We, look, we have to believe that it's not a matter of them understanding this. They have to understand it. There has to be a totally different agenda that we don't understand. I think that's the real misunderstanding. The people that are doing this, the political elites, they understand exactly what they're doing and what's going on. It's all of us. We don't understand what this is all about. Well, I have my own opinion. This is all to enrich enrich themselves. That's what it seems like. Yeah, you know, through, you know, listen, I mean, BlackRock has one, is one of the biggest gain, uh, money gains over in Ukraine. They're doing all kinds you know, of let's, infrastructure pro- projects let, and everything else. And, and the money that they send over there is not being electric, electronically transferred. It's, it's pallets of money. That's, uh, yeah. I, they have no banking system. They have no banking system. None. And anyone un- tells you they do is, is uninformed. Unbelievable. And, and the minute we let... Ukraine. Why are we even talking about letting Ukraine into NATO right now? The minute we let them well, into NATO, we are officially in a war with Russia. Right. You know, people don't understand when they did the I think it was the Versailles Treaty. Russia Russia said, no, no. The, the, the reason we stayed somewhat peaceful, we had a cold war going on, but we stayed somewhat in communication with them because 
Russia didn't want anyone from anyone joining NATO that was on their border. Correct. Right. Well, but let, let's think about and something that was, else. That was the but official agreement. You and I are about the same age. We remember the whole get under your desk and cover your head. The whole nuclear bomb, you know, drills we used to have to do, the Cuban yep. crisis. Um, we were always told if we ever go to war with Russia, the world will end. Right? Yes. H- how is it that Ukraine yep. has yep. managed to be in a war with Russia all this time? Well, if Russia, know, there if is Russia a can't different- defeat a small country right on their border, uh, what's the deal with that? Right. Well, there is, you know, this war was, from what I gather, from who I follow and talk talk about and read, this was all provoked because, believe it or not, if people don't understand, Russia is a predominantly Christian nation. Yes. Very orthodox Christian. And the reason, yes. And the reason they went into Ukraine in the first place is because Zelensky was jailing and murdering people in and uh, eastern Ukraine, I think, or western Ukraine, the Wait. Donbass region that they that they control. Now. Wait a minute. You, you mean you mean this guy that they keep comparing to Churchill? Yes. Yeah. Really? Yeah, that guy. yeah. Him? Yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah. Huh. Yeah. He, he still he jailed his opponents. He shut down TV stations. And now. He, he's on. He's on record as but saying wait, that wait, he's going wait, to wait. 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 Hold on. I've been told that we have to send all this money over there to protect democracy. Yes, democracy. What, what exactly. democracy? It, this is. This, there is none. That's exactly. The whole point here, and that's what that's what Carlson was bringing up to Pence, and he was like, "Well, that's, I, I talked to one guy, and he said it's not happening." Oh yes, it is. It absolutely. <laughs> it, it happened. He, he shut down several media sites said. that Carlson disagreed this, with him. Carlson said that this has been reported by a lot of news agencies, and there's never never been a pushback. How can you stand there and as a as a self proclaimed Christian leader? How can you stand there and tell me that it's not happening? He said to Pence. And Pence and, says, "Well, it's not and, happening. It's not my concern." And even if you take away the religious aspect of this, this is not yes. a democracy. We're not sending money over there to protect democracy because Ukraine does not have a democracy. Forget the religious right. part of it, even. Right. right. And, you know, Asa Hutchinson, now listen, you, I, I'm not here to tell anyone how to think or, or, or any, anything like that. But I feel that children cannot make up their mind on what to have for dinner most of the time. They should not be able to uh, be able Tra- to make a decision on life, life-altering surgeries and can, medication. Can a 14-year-old walk in and get a tattoo? No. But they, so, but, yeah. I mean, that's, that's, the, that's, that's the logical, that's my logical perspective on this. Whether, whether you think I'm right or wrong out there is fine. Everyone has entitled to their opinion. Well, used to be entitled to opinion unless you think wrong. Uh, exactly, um, yeah. But um, that's, that's what he said to Hutchinson, who signed, who vetoed a bill that the legislature, who is elected in our, in our in Arkansas, put together to stop child, yeah, underage uh, sex change. Uh, gender affirming so, care, so, so, I think, is what they're calling it. Yes, gender yeah. affirming care. Right, that's what they call it. Right. So, so Tucker said, "It's you've been out of the out of the out of the the, the governor's mansion for a while now." 
do you, did you, you know, you had time to think about that. Do you, you know, do you still think that it's, and he said, you know, uh, there's only two genders according to God. He's making the platitudes. And then all of a sudden he goes into, this is uh, care. He says, it's not care. This is child mutilation, Tucker says to him. It absolutely is. And he, he held tightly to his convictions and thought it was okay. And I, I mean, I was watching the commentators after, after Tucker got up stage and like, did I just witness what I just witnessed or am I dreaming? Like, yeah, you know, <laughs> I know. Yeah. That's what we're dealing with. Yeah. It's, and, it's, and you know, we, look, yeah, we, we, we made fun of the Democrats the last presidential election because they had so many contenders and there was a bunch of goofballs in the group. And, and guess what? That's the Republicans this time. Yeah. Everybody's jumping into the race and we got a bunch of goofballs in there that don't have a snowball's chance in hell. Um, and yet we're, we're going to mess up the whole process. And, and then, you know, I've seen people complain that certain people can't get into the debates. Well, honestly, there should be some control over that because the stupid debates with 12 people up on stage are a complete waste of time. Yes. Because no one gets any points across. Nothing. That. Nothing no ever gets, gets any, right. No one gets any any word in any right. word in edgewise. So I, think I, I know that they if you they, if you look at some of these what, interviews that Carlson did over the weekend. Yeah. Ahead, yeah. yeah, I was just gonna say, why don't we do this instead? All presidential debates are one on one. So you have to have more debates. Yes, so, Tucker, so suck it up and you know do how you the always work. say why. Yep. How you always tell people to ask why. That's all Carson was doing. Was, yeah. Okay, you had this position. Why? Why? And they and they just they they, they got they get angry. Yeah. It's one they of the best ways to debate to somebody. Don't try to get your point across. Just yeah. make them prove their point. Yeah, and that's exactly what he did. He right. just yeah, he wasn't he he wasn't being an antagonist. No. Just, he wasn't even you know, and he, uh, he just asking them simple, flat out questions. Yeah, yeah. And that's how our should debate should be one on one. And I don't care if we end up with 20 candidates. Everybody's got to do a one on one. Yeah. And it should be it should be able to anyone should be able to witness it. And, and, it and, well, let's let's go a step further. And, it doesn't need to be in person. Do it as a Zoom and publish. No. It. We can all watch that. Those two yep. people do not 100%. need to be in the same room. A hundred percent. But so, that's not going to happen. I'm In fact, telling you, are, are, you, are are gonna, the, you are going to you are going to love this. Aren't the Democrats actually saying there there aren't going to be any debates in their primary? Well, yes, they are. And, you know, I, I kind of have a mixed thought about this. So if you are the if you are now, listen, I'm not a Democrat, never pretended to be one, but it's like the incumbent. If the incumbent's poll numbers or are that high, why would why would the incumbent decide to give someone with not even half of his numbers opportunity to knock him knock him out of the lead? They shouldn't, but I want them to. I get that they want to protect their that. position, but you are applying for a job to work for us, the people. We'll tell you how the interview is going to go. How about that? Yes, but 
that, Again, that's, that's kind of like know, that, that, that's, two, that's almost a dictatorship tier system we have. That's almost like a CEO saying, I just started a new company policy. The company is no longer ever allowed to hire a new CEO. I, I, that, that's kind of, I don't care if you're the sitting president. I don't care if your poll numbers are the highest in history. You should debate somebody if they're challenging you. I, I agree with that. But you know that will that would he'll never be able to do it. I don't I don't believe oh, he's, that, he's that's, or physically I, I want it more than ever just because I want to see Biden in a true one-on-one serious debate. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he held his own to some degree because of the moderator helping him with when he won against Trump in 2020. That was a fiasco. Um, but I know the whole. No, I know, but I'm, yeah, you know, he did okay. Chris Wallace, he did. He actually Chris did better than helped, I thought. Helped him. Yeah. yeah, he yeah. did. So one one night, one night does not make a president. That's all I have to say. So I think a one on one with tough questions really is the format we should all strive for. Uh, Will uh, it ever happen? And I don't care if it's if it's Carlson or Jake Tapper. I don't care who it is. We can all call out the people for being biased if they are biased. Absolutely. Yeah. Or. Or so what it doesn't it, matter to me. It doesn't have to be. Yeah, it, we're not going to get any of this stuff. I mean, they're, they're going to continue no. to do what they're doing. Um, it, it's hard to imagine how how bad our numbers have become between Biden and Harris. Oh, my goodness. I think she's I mean, actually even set her latest, her think, latest couple of yeah. even her latest couple of uh, of. Uh, I don't know what you would call them. Gaffs, I guess. She she's sitting there. Well, she's sitting there with a bunch of AI text and explaining AI is called artificial intelligence. It's two letters. I'm like, I. She said that AI. Yeah. It's complicated. It's two letters. It stands for artificial intelligence. What are we? A kindergarten class? And here's the reason. But she did she, that. She's she did not that smart with, enough to say Ukraine. anything better. I know. I. I haven't done the research, but I, if I, my memory serves me, I don't believe she was ever publicly elected to any position she's held. I don't think she has been either. She's always been appointed. Appointed, I believe. And every, some people push back at me about her being a senator from California. I think Newsom appointed her that. I don't know. I'd have I don't to go think she I forgot ran. she was a senator. I forgot all about yeah. that. Yeah. I don't know if she ran. And, and you know what? None of it matters. I don't care if she ran a hundred times and got no. elected somehow. She's still a blithering idiot when she talks. <laughs> uh, now, don't be say- sexist and racist. Oh, yeah. Well, it has nothing whatsoever with her being a black woman or, or Indian and yeah, whatever. I know, I know, I know. You I'm know, just, look, you, you just, could have artificial that's, that's intelligence. You could have artificial intelligence change her voice into a white male and she would still be a blithering idiot. Yes, 100%. 100%. That's why in her own state, she didn't get not even she didn't even make 1% of the vote how, in her own state. How pathetic. When she was running right. for president. How pathetic. And, and why you know, was she chosen? She we know is, why she was chosen, because she's a black female. And that's why we have a black female Supreme Court justice, because she's a black female. That, I'm not trying to disparage the woman. I I'm mean, not either. It's just know, that should not be the qualification yeah. that gets you hired for anything. It shouldn't even be talked about. It should not be a factor at all. 
And they well, told why, us. And, they, you know, I mean, come on. They came right out. Biden came right out and told us it will be a black female. Yeah. Well, well, wait a minute. How can you say that? You're not looking at the possible candidates. So you're already telling us you're going right. to compromise your choice. Well, then this is why affirmative action is so detrimental to everybody. Yes. Because when you start when you start filling quotas without having qualifications, it's a downward spiral. Well, you know, I haven't read it, and I'm going to read it if I can find it. Is is that George Orwell's Animal Farm? Oh yeah, great book. Have you read that? Oh yeah, great book. Yeah, I haven't read it. I I read 19, uh, 1984. Yeah. No, Animal Farm is yeah, excellent. I, I didn't. I didn't. Yeah, but apparently they they put the pigs in charge of the farm instead of the farmers or something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it it it's basically <laughs> what they have. did was they they highlight all of our human fallacies by using animals. That's really what it, the book's about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or yeah. or you he wasn't just, assassinated, was he? <laughs> uh, yeah. Or you could just go, you know, read um, Atlas Shrugged again. Well, that's true. I I I did that. That was a marathon, but uh. Yeah, unbelievable book as well. You know, what really troubles me is that things like that shouldn't be uh, like like Biden just just signed uh, uh, an executive order saying that you can't see how the investigation went with John Kennedy. I mean, they have to be hiding something major to do that. Uh, yeah, it really. That, that's pretty ridiculous. This is yeah. These are the things that really drive me a little insane that they're hiding information that should be, listen, this is 1962, right? Is that when he got assassinated? Three, 63. Three, 63. Yeah, 63. I mean, come on. That's, you know, that's 50 years. I, I, 60 exactly. Years, right? 60 yeah. years. 60 years. Uh, yeah. There's a, yeah. there's a, Stephen King wrote a really good book about it. Oh, JFK. The one, uh, uh, no, it's called 1963, I think is the title of the book. Oh, is it? That's how I always remember. Okay. I'm pretty okay. sure it's the title of the book. Plus, I was born that year. That helps me remember a little. Um, but <laughs> his is, his, I, I, I said that kind of tongue in cheek. His has nothing whatsoever to do with politics, really. Um, but it's a really good story. Right. They Somebody actually has the opportunity, I won't give the whole thing away, but somebody actually has the opportunity to try to stop that from happening. Really? Yeah. Really good book. If you like Stephen King, okay. it's a really good book. Okay. Uh, well, I do like his work. I'm not really a, a fan of him. Um, oh, yeah. Really but my God, his politics are so does. far off to the left, I couldn't even begin to listen to him on politics, but I love his books. Right. Uh, all but, right. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, all right. Have a good day. All right. Good talking to you. Talk to you soon. Let's go to Texas. Pam, welcome to the program. Thank you. Thank you, Kevin, for all you do. You're welcome. Um, I, um, have, uh, we've been eating keto for, well, my husband mostly carnivore right now, but we've called in a couple of times, but I've stalled out a long time ago, probably would like to lose 20 or 30 pounds. Uh, we're kind of going to a quack because we found a um, functional medicine that was fair, but doctor, but um, she's left and went to another practice that's too expensive. But anyway, um, my question is, the main question is that how do you feel about your blood type, eating your blood type? Run the other it. way. 
that's what I'm afraid of. There is okay. zero, okay. zero reason to try to eat differently because of your blood type. It has nothing to do with nutrition at all. This is a total hoax. Okay. It's been around a long time. It just doesn't even make any sense. Yeah. Yeah. And my idea just to follow through with this guy, I don't even know what kind of medicine he calls it. It's kind of acupressure. And he's an, uh, he's a chiropractor, but um, Gary had the SIBO. We kind of talked to you a lot about it. He's been doing carnivore and much better. And he was trying to find a way to kind of start adding the good bacteria to put back in. And I don't know. We just found this guy and decided to try. But um, that's what he kept telling me because I said, you know, I feel like I'm pretty healthy, but I just can't lose weight anymore. And was kind of reaching out to him. And he said, well, you just got to find your it's probably, you're probably eating all the wrong things, which we mostly eat meat. Right. The, 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 we know what helps human beings be, become a normal body weight. It is low-carb, real food. So you know, we can generalize. It, right. It's got to be real food. That, sh- that does not include grains. Grains are not real food. And if it's going to be right. low-carb, you can't have grains anyway because they're high-carb. Th- this is not even in question right. anymore. Human beings will, will get healthier and lose weight on a very heavy animal-based, low-carb diet. Now, does everybody lose weight? No. Lots of people get stuck. We've identified the two biggest reasons people get stuck, and we usually know how to fix them. One's easy to fix, the other one not so much. The first is digestion. I see over and over and over people who aren't digesting their fats well struggle to lose weight because the fat is so critical to our health and our diet. And if we can't digest it, it's like we never ate it in the first place. So if you're not digesting your fat, you're still kind of technically on a low-fat diet. And low-fat doesn't work. So if we, sometimes it's digestion. That one's fairly straightforward to fix. We have kits, we have protocols, they work. We've done it thousands of times. The next one, the next big reason people won't lose weight, even though they're eating the right foods, is stress. And that's one that is much, much more difficult to resolve. I'm still working on it. I'm, I'm just now starting a new round of testing again, trying to tweak my stress protocol more. It works. It works every okay. time. It's just really, really difficult to integrate all these things into your life and really lower stress in our life and improve our stress muscle. And if we do it, it works. It's just, I, I just wish I could find okay. ways to make it easier. Right. So if I was going to try one of the digestion kits, what would you recommend? I would have to have you do a Nutri-Q first because then I can see okay. which I one is. I did download one of the. Yeah. Okay. I'll you go know, ahead and fill that out today. Sometimes we could go through some questions, you know, if, if like your husband, it was pressure high up right after he eats. That's a pretty good sign. It might be SIBO. So let's mm-hmm. start there. Um, do you have your gallbladder? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Because people without their gallbladder really struggle with this because then we have to kind of manually mm-hmm. help their fat digestion. Um, there are some signs yeah. of poor fat digestion. Oh. 
can alternate a lot of times between constipation and diarrhea or you're experiencing diarrhea more often if you're not digesting your fats well. Mm -hmm. You can actually see results in the toilet bowl. You can see an oil slick or very light colored or even gray colored stools. Those are all signs of poor fat digestion. But again, the NutriQ is going to ask you all of those questions. And once I see a NutriQ, we can usually pretty well identify what's going on. Okay. All right. I've got one in my email thing, so I, I just need to stop and fit, fill it out and then send it back in. There you um, go. I had a couple other questions. Sure. Um, uh, the, I don't say it right. The souvet or the sous vide? Yeah. The, the thing that you do the yogurt in and sous vide. Um, what is the brand that you recommend? Uh, I just drew a blank. Yeah. I have so many devices by this company. Hold on a second. It should come to me. Um, okay. If not, I can go look at my Amazon history. Uh, okay. So it's made by the same, I taught Breville is actually who makes it, but it's not labeled Breville, B-R-E-V-I-L-L-E, but it's not labeled Breville on the um, sous vide. Most of their appliances say Breville right on them. But for some reason, I think, let me go look for it real quick. Uh, Okay. Actually, when you look it up on Amazon, it does say Breville, but they call it the Jewel, J-O-U-L-E. J-O-U-L-E. So if you look up Breville Jewel, You'll, it'll pop right up on Amazon. Okay. They have one that's um, $249. That one is, uh, I believe it's 600 watts. And then I think they have one that's $200, might be um, slightly less wattage. Okay. Do you recommend the six watt? Uh, for the, um, if all you're going to use it for is the yogurt, the cheaper one will be just fine. If you really decide you might want okay, to get I, into cooking sous vide, I, I cook several things sous vide. It's pretty awesome. You can do steaks, you can do ribs, you can do eggs, you can do all kinds of crazy stuff. If you're going to do a lot of sous vide cooking, I'd get okay. the bigger one. Okay. All right. And can we order the yogurt starter through you I, in directions? Or? I believe if you order something else from the store, we might still be putting those in free. Let me check. Okay, we just did a huge order, but we'll do again. So um, that'll be fine. We're not in any hurry. So, um, okay. And is there directions on how to make it after you get the starter, or do we need there, to just go to your website? No, there is. In the packet, I think we put out that we used to have, we used to just give it away. And um, once the interest kind of died down a little bit, I, I don't know if we're still reordering all that stuff or not. So I'm checking right now. Um, okay. There are definitely videos and instructions on the website. Um, okay. Thank so you. it sounds like it says all, all you need to do is just add a note or call us when you put in an order and then we'll throw that in for you. Okay, great. Good. All right. And, um, just my input about your last caller, this is not a mistake about our government. You know, you can't screw things up this fast. They, um, 
this is a plan. I believe it's all the one world government, one world health. That's how they control us. And uh, that's I, just my input. My brother is a vascular surgeon, and he um, is in San Antonio, and he just left. It's not a big practice, but he they came to him and said, you have these, this many patients, and you do this many surgeries. you got two months to do this many surgeries, or you're out of here. And really? And he left, and he's opening his own practice. Wow. Yeah. yeah no, I... I I told him, you know, I'm like, Jeff, go ahead. I agree with you. This is about control. I mean, the big picture of everything mm-hmm. going on is it, it has to be about control. That, that just nothing else makes sense. Yeah, yeah. It's sad. And in the medical field, we've known it's selling us for a long time. And he 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 went, he found out he was diabetic and he cuts off legs for a living. So he's like, I ain't doing this. So <laughs> we had already been eating Sheesh. this way. <laughs> Yeah. So he started. He started hired somebody online, a chiropractor that did nutrition tests and stuff. And so within six weeks, his liver was just amazing and change and and went carnivore. He started keto, but then he went awesome. carnivore. Awesome. And they he told him to send it to his family doctor, and she's a friend. And she's like, "What the hell did you do? There's no medicine that could do this." And, and she's like, she's like, well, I started keto and then, you know, lost a lot of weight. And, but, yeah, so it, it's exciting to me because he's going to be able to at least tell his patients now, this is how you yes. do it. You can get off this medicine if you want to. If you want to get healthy, and if not, I'll treat you the other way, you know, but at least he'll be able to give them options, you know, trying to be healthy. But, you know, I have said forever, I criticize doctors heavily, and then I try to clarify and say, look, I'm not really criticizing the doctors. I'm criticizing the system. The system is so broken. Here's a good example. Here's a human doctor who followed the system. And like you said, he's cutting off people's limbs on a regular basis because of diabetes and he becomes diabetic that that had, but he was willing to open up his mind and look at some other option other than what he's been taught. And it worked that, that, that one story there tells you how screwed up our system is. I know. And he said, all through medical school, he said he had a doctor that um, was old, and and he said we all thought he was a quack because he kept trying to tell us how how healthy you know all this can make a difference, and we're listening to all the other yep. you know professors telling us no, 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 and and he said and everything we learn comes from the pharmaceutical how to treat you with medicine. You know what else I was reading the other day? There there must be. 20 articles a day. Now, I scroll a ton of different news sources every day, but I'm not exaggerating. I probably see between 10 and 20 articles about Wagovi, Ozempic, these these diabetic drugs being used for weight loss. The stars are all doing it. Now everybody's doing it. So there's just all these articles. They make me crazy. But I, I was reading one the other day and now they're on. They're going, well, not only does it help you lose weight, it actually curbs addictions. And we're getting reports of people saying that their brain fog is lifting and their joints don't hurt as much anymore. And it's all because of Wagovi. And I'm thinking, no, you idiots. It's because they actually lost a little bit of weight. Those aren't benefits of the drug. They're just benefits because, yes, the drug does force you to lose a little bit of weight. It, it's it's not worth it, not even for a second, to go take some toxic pharmaceutical to lose 
30 or 40 pounds when you can do it with diet easy. But now they're trying to claim that all these benefits are because of the drug. No, they're just because you lost a little bit of weight. Oh, I know. It's just it's a sad world we live in. It is. They it just want to have us on making money on medical. And Absolutely. Yes. No doubt. Anyway, I won't keep you for any more. Um, God bless you. We really appreciate what you do. My husband is a truck driver, and uh, we've been listening to you for a long time. Just, uh, Thank you. We feel like you're family because you're on the radio, and we feel like we know you, but you you do a lot of help for a lot of people in every industry you talk about, but we just appreciate you. Well, thank you. Appreciate it. Let's um, let's go to Nebraska. Steve, welcome to the program. Hey, um, I just have a real quick question for you about the, there's an AI headset that you talk about and then your Garmin headset that you were talking about a year or so ago. Yeah, so we really like the Garmin headset in the truck. Uh, and the Garmin headset you know, we are talking mostly about Twitter spaces um, because we have a lot of different speakers on at one time and most of them are just going to be on there. Well, you have to be on your phone. That's the, that's the reason this has become yeah. such an issue on Twitter, because the only way to do it is on your phone. So we are trying to find the mm-hmm. best quality audio for a for a phone call on Twitter. Um, the Garmin headset works really well. But the reason we got talking about this AI headset was because somebody jumped on and I heard their audio quality sounded so good. And I'm like, what is that headset you're on? And it turns out it's like a $40 AI headset. The thing sounds amazing. Do you happen to know what that, uh, let me, what brand or whatever? That uh, let me go see if I can find it. Somebody sent me a link on Twitter, but I get so much stuff on Twitter that it takes me forever to find anything. Um, uh, you know, I don't. I'm not going to be able to find it. I know I won't if I try scrolling right now. Um, are you a member of either of our websites, the tribes? Yeah, uh, I, Healthy Tribe. I'm going to, I'll try to get it, find it today and post it up on Healthy Tribe. Okay. That'd be great. Yeah. I'll, uh, I'll go look for that. Somebody even said recently it was on sale. Somebody bought one for like 30 bucks or something. I've talked to two people on them now and both of them sounded fantastic. Okay. I'm in the market for a new headset and I just wanted to. Yeah. Now, overall. I have no idea about anything else about this headset, whether it's, you know, comfortable, whether the speakers work well. All I was commenting on was the sound quality I was hearing come out of it. But I know nothing else about it. But okay. how wrong could you go for 40 bucks? I mean, really? I've wasted more money on dumber things. So. Yeah. Now, you know, for it, when I travel, even in the coach, I do use the Garmin headset. I really like it a lot. Um, I will probably go buy one of these, but I, I, I doubt that I would replace my Garmin because it does so many other things for me in the, the vehicle when I'm traveling. But sound quality for, you know, something like Zoom calls or the Twitter spaces, this this headset might be kind of nice to have. OK, so I will I'll look uh, for that. Yep, uh, I'll, tr- I'll try to get it up there and uh, I got a lot to do this afternoon. Um, I think we're going to wrap this up. I don't have any calls right now. Uh, We did two and a half hours and I've got a lot to do today. So we are going to wrap this up. I don't think we, um, I don't think we have any guests this week. I don't think we have anything going on. I think it's pretty normal schedule this week. No guests. So 
Um, lots and lots of room for questions this week. Jump in and join me. We will see you back here tomorrow for the Power Hour. Be safe, be profitable, be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey.